Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of Liberty Diner Dish. I'm Ken. I'm Michelle. And we're about to jump right into another episode of Queer as Folk. Before we jump into the next episode, so I was, I guess, just taking a walk down memory lane the other day, and I listened to, I think it was kind of our wrap-up for season one, uh-huh. and there were some things that you said in there, and I want to tell you what they were, so <laughs> you still, if you still feel the same way. Okay. So one thing that you said was that, well, I'll go with the second one first. <laughs> We talked about, okay, at the end of this season, here's where we are. What do we want to see in the next season? And you said, for Brian, you said, I want to see him let his walls down. Even if it's not for Justin, like, I want to see him let someone in. And so it could be with whoever. Like, do you still feel? I mean, he let his walls down. He did. Like, I mean, we're still chiseling. I'm not saying they're all gone. Oh, yeah. They're not down. They're not down all the way, but they're. They're coming, okay? A slow creep. You got to let <laughs> let the window down a little bit. Um, but they're coming. And, yeah, I, I, I'm glad I said that because it's what was needed of him. I mean, he was already, like, perfection. But if he could if he could add to that perfection by bringing someone Some to humanity. Just, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, it would just heighten his character and heighten him. And, uh, yeah, so I stand by that. But you said it could be anybody. Well, no, it, can, it can be anybody. <laughs> you said, I said, whether it's Justin or not. I was trying to emphasize the part. Yeah, okay. you said whether it's Justin but or no, not. But no, hell no. It has to be Justin. <laughs> like, I mean, Justin showed how, how true he is through and through. Like, yeah. it has to be Justin for real. I'm not even going to call him. He's J-Rocker now, okay? <laughs> it has to be It has to be Justin for real. J-Rocker. Yeah. Because he rock with him heavy. Like He does. No. And I think there's something so unique about about what Justin brings to Brian, about yeah. that kind of sunshine, really, that he brings to him. That, that was the him, perfect nickname. He blooms and blossoms under that. And I think it had to be that specific kind of personality. It did. And someone who's who's strong enough, who's not going to... Because Brian, he could shred you and you'd be like, I mean, tuck your tail and run away. Right. But anytime he's trying to get on Justin's head, Justin either fires right back with, with the same banter mm-hmm. or he takes it and knows how to come back the next time and get what he needs and, know, right. and get what he wants. Um, he's a strong person. He's not afraid to stand up for what he believes in. He's not, a, and he, he always gets what he wants because he knows exactly what he wants. Yeah. He's not afraid to claim it and take it. And he wanted Brian and he's worked hard for Brian. Right. And he makes Brian work hard for him as well. He does. Yeah. He starts to match that. Yeah. It's like, okay, if I'm going to be in this relationship, I've got to kind of match what he's given. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it couldn't be anybody else. But did we want those <laughs> walls really down? That's really what yes. I wanted you to come back. That's what no I wanted you to else. come back and say. Girl, you know how I feel. Stop playing with me. <laughs> okay, the other thing you said, well, you said about Debbie, you wanted her to focus on something else other than hovering. So. Yes, and um, I thought the, the insert of Carl was a good look, you know, mm-hmm. because, hell, now we even see that she hovered over Vic like crazy, right. too. And she was hovering over Michael. Mm-hmm. We already know how, you know, like, no, she needed something to occupy her time. And, um... I thought bringing in Carl was a good addition to that. It gave her purpose. It gave her some romance, some, some, mm-hmm. some something that's exciting in her life. So, um, yeah, yeah, she needed that. <laughs> Thank you, writers, for writing that in because yeah. I had no idea. Okay? okay, the third thing you said for Emmett, I said, I want to see Emmett, like, in a relationship or something. I said something to that effect. And you said, oh, no, I don't want Emmett in a relationship. <laughs> the only relationship I want Emmett in was with George. Now, this this is before George. I know. The yes. only relationship I want Emmett in was with George. Now, Emmett, because you got to live my best life for me, baby. You cannot be tied <laughs> down. I need you out here in these streets. Right. You know what I'm popping that thing, okay? Shimmering. Shimmering, baby, okay? <laughs> no, so I do not want Emmett in a relationship. I think he has so much love to give. No, baby, don't be in a relationship. You got too much good stuff going on with you, baby. 
<laughs> I need you to be out here in these streets for me. Yeah. Okay. So you can live vicariously through Yes. <laughs> so, no, I don't want Emmett. I mean, the little pop-ups we did get with Emmett in relationships, um, they were good little little tidbits. But like I said, even when we discussed Emmett and Ted moving and moving this way, I was like, yeah, I don't know, girl. Hesitant. Like, yeah. uh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and at first with George, I was like, I don't know. But I love how they pulled something great out of each of them, uh, right. out of each other. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it would it would always be George for me. Yeah, I mean it wasn't the ideal couple with Emmett being so young and George, you know, one foot in. But um, <laughs> it was a good. It worked, you know. Yeah, it, it worked. did. And we mm-hmm. just talked about this what last week, two weeks ago about how how you say that you wanted that storyline needed to happen, but you understood how why it ended. You right. Know? But um, it, I thought it was good. It was great. Yeah, you know? I just wanted to do a little check in because it's been a while since it's we talked about that. I and like so, that. Thank yeah. you, Michelle. I know. I. Now I need to go back and listen to a couple episodes and see if we still feel the same way. When did we do our um our cocktails and uh, that's the one I was listening yeah, to. Okay, got yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh huh. So I was like, yeah, I need to go back and listen to that. These questions for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Sorry, I just had to do that. I wanted to do all that before we get into four eleven, but we are going to get into four eleven. We're going to so, get into it. So let's do it. Uh, we start out with a an unhappy Drew boy demanding to speak to someone. He is at a photo shoot throwing a hissy fit and telling someone what he refuses to do. So having a very diva moment. Very. Um, Ted is watching all of this. Then in comes Brian to get some answers. Apparently, Drew is being uncooperative and saying that he made a big mistake. He's on the phone with his agent and uh, Ted had to call in the boss. Is it just me or when Brian comes in, does he look like really good? In he comes scene? in like a supermodel. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the way that door kind of swings up and the hair, the suit, the yeah. overcoat. Like, I mean, he looks amazing. I know. But my question is, where is this Super Ted at? The- I know. Super Ted has gone yeah. back into the corner somewhere. That part, okay. <laughs> like, I was like, Ted, like, what? You You've been this handling man- everything. Yeah. But, yeah. This mm-hmm. man is running a muck in this office right now. <laughs> Lord yes. knows I love me some good old Drew, though. Okay. Yeah. So Brian goes over to put out this very hot fire and Drew has changed his mind about posing in his undies. Now, we know that from the beginning, Brown Athletics was looking for an athlete to model their new underwear line. Mm -hmm. So it's not like they just sprung this on Drew at the shoot today. But I'm all about consent and more consent and your right to retract your consent. So, yeah, but that's what he's doing. That was a bitch move. I mean, Drew is so wrong for that. That was straight diva-ish. I am Drew. I will not do this. I will not get me out of this. No- yeah. You signed a contract. Right. And they didn't, you didn't sign that contract and was on set the next day. You had time to think about this. You right. knew what was up. I mean, they're, you're modeling underwear. Yes. Not like their shoes. No, <laughs> you're modeling underwear. Like, you knew it was going to be a million plus eyes mm-hmm. on them shorts. Yeah. Period. What's interesting is that the showrunners dealt with this a time or two with extras and a certain regular cast member who knew what this show was about, knew what Queer as Folk was about, and they were briefed on the type of scenes they would have to do and what would be involved. And But when it came time for the cameras to roll, they were not so on board. So, Wow. Uh, can I ask a question? Uh-huh. I, would I say any names? Was this a love interest of one of our main characters? Yeah. Oh, Lord. Oh, And you know I loved that character for a moment. For a minute. Yes. For a quick minute, you did. But I also did. they had this with... Uh, with some extras, and there's one I'm thinking about in particular. But um, anyway, and so it might seem like a contrived plot point, but it checks out in the real world that really happens. So it's kind of interesting how they write about things that really happen. Yeah, that's what show. makes it so um, interesting and entertaining is that mm-hmm. you really can feel it's a true storyline. You know, like, 
it's not these character storyline, but you can you can feel right. the, the realness, the genuineness mm-hmm. of of the writing. Mm-hmm. So I mean, they they pulling this from some experience. Oh for yeah, sure. This is all coming from real life experience. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, anyway, so Drew is back trying to back out and saying that he calls the shot and the shots, and Brian says, "Except when I have the ball," and he does have the ball. Yeah, so. literally the ball. <laughs> so. uh, what I love about this scene, which is showing about, it showed Drew like, "Yeah, baby, you may be you know what I'm saying the man on the field." But this is my field right here, baby. Right. I call all shots. <laughs> and I love that Drew got, he got, uh, Alpha got met with another Alpha. Right. You know, and although he doesn't know Brian's sexuality, I'm glad it was a, a gay Alpha because this is him being checked twice mm-hmm. by two gay men. You know? <laughs> that is right. And Emmett's an Alpha too. <laughs> yeah, in, his own, he, way. in yeah. his own way. Yeah. Well, Drew's issue is that he's feeling a little uncomfortable being the only one standing around in his shorts. Well, <laughs> Brian Kenny is a man who likes to live in the solution. Uh, because the next thing we see is Drew posing in his skivvies, yeah. um, and he looks real comfortable. And that's probably because as the camera angles change, we see everyone is stripped down to their undergarments. Oh, I knew it <laughs> when he, when he said that he was uh, uncomfortable, like because all the eyes are on him. I was like, yeah. I was like, girl, is Brian gonna make everybody get naked? <laughs> is he gonna do it? Like, and then he now, did. As someone who has worked in HR, I cannot condone this move. But <laughs> as a bystander, I can say big ups to this crew for going along with big it. Big ups. Okay. Well, they had millions on the line. You yeah, know, like, right. If they're like, paying look, the talent millions of dollars, you know their budget is yeah. millions Yeah, and dollars. I know Brian didn't, like, tell them you have to do this. He was like, look, if you're not willing to, you can leave. But if you are, go ahead and... <laughs> yeah, because I can hear him saying that right now. Yeah. Uh, well, unfortunately, Theodore wore his equivalent of granny panties to the office today. <laughs> I love Ted trying to hold on to his modesty with his little fingertips. Yes, girl, that reminded me of me. Okay. Yeah, that was a real life moment today. Yeah, for I real. came to yeah, I came to see you and you were like, Don't look at my chest. Yeah. <laughs> I'm covering him up. Yeah. No, you can't see. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh well, Brian doesn't know if Drew will sell any underwear, but he's sure he will sell a lot of Kleenex. And it took me way longer than I want to admit Shut to, up. to catch that joke. Oh girl. <laughs> I was like, Hell yeah, where my box said, because I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then we see Emmett and Drew laid up in their motel room. And I think that photo shoot was good for Drew's ego because both beds are a wreck in this. Yes. Thing. <laughs> yeah. God, um, I was pr- I was proud. I was proud of Emmett. Like Emmett really pulled this together. Right. He did. He made this happen. Gave Drew the confidence that was needed. And also put a big check in your pocket, you know. And, and then Emmett's still living his best life. I just want Emmett to be more guarded because I can look at the way he's looking at this man. That he is liking him a little bit too more, too much. You know, I'm like, Emmett, this is supposed to be a little fling. This is some fun. It's lighthearted. Please keep it there. Like, right. Keep it in context, yeah, Emmett. Yeah. Because Emmett gives too much, you know, and we know that he loves hard. So I'm just, I don't want him to, I don't want to, I don't want to be hurt for him. You yeah. Know? Well, uh, the deed looks to have been well and truly done probably several <laughs> times in this mm-hmm. room. And so Emmett makes to leave and Drew was like, what's the hurry? Where are you rushing off to? And Emmett's just kind of following Drew's routine. He Usually always hops out of bed and runs to the shower when they're done, but not today, Satan. <laughs> he says, well, you know, why don't we just lie here? And he looks very comfortable. comfortable. He's all hand-holdy, hand-holdy. and whatnot. And, and you um, kissed last week. Yeah. Okay. I keep forgetting that we're not supposed to be liking this because there's cheating involved. I know, but girl, <laughs> they look good together. And it just feels so right. Yeah. Know? Well, Emmett starts daydreaming aloud and building this life for the two of them and he says a little too much, which makes Drew remind him of the rules. Like what goes on is between them and those four walls of that cheap motel room. Girl, I mean, this is the part that it just sickens me. Like I'm, I'm all for it. I'm like, oh my god, go for it. And then reality hits. Like, damn, right? Yeah, you know, like the idea of it sounds yeah. great, but 
there's and reality then, Yeah, then reality hits, and this man got a whole fiancé. You know, you got a whole business that could be wrecked. Also, your morals are uh, coming into question. And just your feelings yeah. and your own emotions yeah. about it. Yeah, so it's just like, damn, I hate when we, when we get jerked right back into reality. Yeah. Like, I can't stand it. But I looked over at you when you were watching the scene, and you were like, like, face yeah, face, about to cry. <laughs> Girl, I, when he said, just stay, that yeah. touched me. Like, okay, Emma, you working, like... In reality, I in in my perfect reality, I would want Drew to finally like realize like, hey, listen, I know this started out like like this, but fuck it, I'm calling everything off. I don't care. I'm gonna blow it. Same thing George did, you know. Right. I'm gonna blow it. I want you. Like, I mean, Emma deserves some shit like that, you know. Yeah, he does. But ugh, I don't know. I don't okay. know. We'll keep going for now. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, we see Michael stomping around their their apartment, and he's a bit frustrated because Hunter is not answering his cell phone. And Hunter walks through the door as Michael is still calling him. He's missed curfew again, and he tells Michael and Ben that he's been out studying with a friend working on a science project. He's been late, I guess, like every night this week. And so they start interrogating him, which Hunter does not. Well, mostly it's Michael, but kind of Ben, too. But Hunter does not enjoy that, and they're not believing his story. They want an honest answer, and he says, I'm telling the truth. Well, so he goes to his room because he's a teenager, and he's upset. And he's being questioned, and he's like, I'm being yeah. honest with you. You're not listening to me. That's on you. Um, well, Michael thinks that he may be out hustling again, and Ben says he hopes that they've instilled more self-respect in him than that. And I want to pause for just a brief minute and just highlight that not all sex workers choose their trade because of self-respect issues. Like, it's a legit career. <laughs> and I don't think that was the implication to say that it wasn't. I think Ben is specifically speaking on on Hunter. Right. All I could see was Debbie in this scene. If Michael, <laughs> if, if if Debbie, he didn't channel his inner Debbie, I swear to God, when he was pacing back and forth and calling that phone, like he was blowing this boy up. Like, you would thought the boy was late, like, our hours, yeah. you know? Like, he's an hour late. He said he was studying. I think Hunter should just be more respectful with just giving him the heads up. Yeah. You have two cool-ass parents who pretty much let you do anything. But as a teenager, you know. I'm, yeah, well, and I kind of hate that they go there, but I understand that they would go there because that has been in his history. But I kind of hate that sometimes they, I feel like they don't. You have to let it go. Either doubt. you're going to trust him. Right, exactly. Yeah. You're going to trust that I'm living a new life now. Or you're not. And if you're going to keep holding me back to that other thing, then... Then it's like, don't do something for me and then hold it over my head. You know, right. that's what I don't like. Like, we passed that. I don't think that he would ever go back out and, and be hooking again. Like, yeah. I think he's past that. They're giving him a life that he actually enjoys. He loves. It's no responsibilities. He doesn't have to worry about where his next meal is coming from. Right. If, like you said last time, if he need a knife in his pocket or something or a screwdriver for yeah. some self-defense. He doesn't have to worry about, you know, if sleeping with this person, is, is he going to be murdered or whatever. He doesn't have to worry about those things yeah. anymore. He's actually getting to be a teenager a kid, yeah. now. And so, I think that he doesn't want to trade that. And for no reason. Yeah, it's not like, exactly. now, things have been rocky at their house. And so he's probably like, well, I got to fire somewhere just in case. Like, Lord, like, I've seen this before. I got to give me a lease somewhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just one more year. <laughs> yeah. Sure. But, it, like, they have come back together and things have been better. So I hate that they kind of go there, that Michael goes there immediately. Ben says, well, whatever's going on, we'll find out eventually. But he's gone all zen again was after that whole well, he, Anthony episode. He needed to get his life back together because, <laughs> baby, you should have been meditating, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yoga in the He had up. to gather himself. Yes. Yeah. Because I'm telling y'all right now not to go back and be the bush. If Anthony would have never mentioned the gift, he would have been knee deep in those guts. It's true. I'm telling I just, you. I just believe it. I'm sorry, he Ben. He would have been in there. <laughs> and it's not because Ben's a bad person. He was in such a 
vulnerable spot that yes. I really think that he he definitely would have been. Facts. Yeah. I'm telling you, when you're lonely. And shaking those dinosaur bones. Yeah. 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 Those yeah. dinosaur bones, them have a little rest, a little dusty, baby. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Michael, who has never been zen, he looks worried at what they might find out. So, um, We see Lindsay heading into the Sydney Bloom Gallery, and old Scummy Sam shows up. Um, Girl, he's been stalking on the corner. Like, she can't even get the key in the door before you walk up. <laughs> yeah. Get the hell out he of here. He does not look like somebody who wakes up at a reasonable time in the morning. Not at so all. So he playing this. Girl, he like his breath. His teeth ain't been brushed yet. <laughs> Walking and smoking a cigar. Yeah. All in her face and shit. She don't even smoke. Well, Lindsay hasn't returned any of his calls, and she tells him that she's been busy. Sam wants to see her, but she says that she can't because she's married and has a child and another baby on the way. Oh, and she's a lesbian. That part. And we'll deal with some of that later. But anyway, she tells Sam that what happened the other night was a mistake, a huge mistake, and he doesn't buy it, even though she sticks to her story. She does admit that, you know, you inspire me, you challenge me, you make me laugh. And I admire you so much, and I got, I guess I got confused and crossed the line that I shouldn't have. It's understandable. Yeah, that is understandable. That does happen. Well, Sam says that he's always crossing lines since he was a kid. He's been coloring outside the lines, and he doesn't pay attention to rules and boundaries, which Lindsay says makes sense for an artist. But for a person, uh, sometimes it makes sense to read the manual and follow the instructions, dull as that may sound to, to Sam. That's kind of a callback to the Brian Kenny operating manual. Mm-hmm. But here it sounds more about a regiment and like do this exactly and only this. And it's less about understanding how she operates and more about building a person who operates according to a set of rules and guidelines. Facts. I mean, I kind of fall victim to that. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't really truly express my true self because I feel like there's I need to follow this manual. It has to be this, this and this. You can't speak right. of these certain things, you know. Also, a red flag for me would have been when he started talking about how he's always cold outside the lines. To me, that's your ex-wives. You've, you've never had any boundaries. Right. You know, you've always gotten what you wanted. You've always cold outside the lines, so you don't have any rules and right. regulations to abide by. That's a red flag to her. It, it, it should well, have been a red flag. Even if those women were gold diggers, just the fact that you have no respect for them, yeah. like, that's a red flag. Or anybody me. who even works for you, the way you right. manhandle your assistance. Right. Why, why would I even be turned on or even, you know, receptive to any of that? The way right. you even treat women in general, period. Mm-hmm. Well, we call him Scummy Sam for a reason, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there's that. Uh, well, Sam wants to know, what about the part of you that secretly yearns for, for something, for something else? The part of you that both of us know is there. And Lindsay says, my house has many rooms. I occupy but a few. The rest go unvisited. And I love that Love line. that. That was amazing. Love it. I think it's such a simple explanation for a very complex idea. And yes, it could be speaking to the way she expresses or doesn't express her sexuality. But I think it goes far beyond that as well. It's a really beautiful and profound way to explain a complex person who acknowledges their complexities. Exactly. But for every reason limits the expression of those complexities. Mm-hmm. Um, like you and I have had this discussion a few times in a different way. Like I think there was a time where we said, well, there are different versions of us, but I kind of like saying it this way better. Like all of our rooms are in the same house under the same roof. Yes. We're not five people. We're one person. Yes. <laughs> and sometimes I step into a different room. Right. And, and, and there are rooms that I am aware are there, but for whatever reason, I don't, go into them yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. you know like i just keep those locked up mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> it's only for me but yeah i thought i thought she hit the nail on the um on the head with that yeah state. yeah and like kind of going back to her i think she's kind of in some turmoil because going back to her comment about the 
the manual, I kind of feel like she's reading the manual to understand how Lindsay is supposed to, to act and be. Right. Because she's not saying, I don't want to, to him. She's saying, I can't. Mm-hmm. And it feels like she's telling herself to read that manual. She is. She's suppressing <laughs> her feelings because he awakened something mm-hmm. inside of her that she hadn't felt in a long time. Yeah. But she has a responsibility and duties to her wife. Like, she wants to love her wife, but she's fighting these feelings. I mean, I think everybody's been through yeah. something like that. It's almost, I mean, hers is a little more serious because they actually had sex. She had it like a, a small affair. Mm-hmm. But you can equate that to a work crush. Someone that you spend right. all your time with, you admire them, you you respect them. They're funny, they're cool, they're attractive. And they draw something or, or out they of draw you something that out of you. has been yeah, yeah But dormant. you have someone else that's that's waiting for you at home. Like, I mean, you get those kind of feelings, but you have to keep them in check. So I think that's what she's trying to do. Yeah. Check her feelings. She's trying to reassure herself that she's lesbian, that this this is something that's not going to happen again. I mean, but she just needs to address it. She yeah. has to address them. Well, she's trying to hide them. I feel like you also have to factor in the stuff that Lindsay has sacrificed or compromised on to build this life. Like, she ruined her relationship with her parents, kind of, you know, true, um, true. To, ha- to have this and... I'm not. I'm not saying any of this to justify cheating is cheating. You know, right, I'm not right. saying any of this to justify that. No, but, but she has things to work. But through. she's like, I for me to live my life as a lesbian, that has cost me some things, and I think it's not so easy to write off what Everything, that has cost you know, her. Yeah, facts. and so I, I can see a part of her that's like, no, I'm doubling down on this because of what I've already done to live this life that I want to live. True. No, I mean she did. She literally got cut the hell off from her family. Yeah, like they she wouldn't pay for the wedding. Her, nothing. Yeah. No, don't Wouldn't even let her the, have the dress. Yeah, don't even claim the grandchild. Right. Like, oh my gosh, she's having our friend's grandchild. Like, baby, I have a. They Lizzie, already have a grandchild. Lizzie carried a child. Right. Like, it's not like Melanie had had both of the babies. Right. Lindsay carried the child. Mm-hmm. You know, like the first grandbaby to the yeah. family, and they won't even even acknowledge that. So mm-hmm. I mean, like, she has sacrificed a lot. Yeah, she has, and I know a lot of people do. Um, unfortunately, yeah, that's just yeah. The world sucks sometimes. <laughs> anyway, then we see Justin and Michael dropping off a few items at the hospice. Justin um, is about to get chose by one of the residents there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ted and Melanie are also there bringing in some items. And Uncle Vic left some of his stuff for for the hospice. And it's kind of like what we said in the previous episode. We're still getting to see the reach and impact of Uncle Vic even after his right. even after his death. And the hospice needs these donated items, and they also need some coins. But there's a new event coordinator coming on board to help with a fundraiser that they're doing. And he's had some good success in the past, so they are all very hopeful. Over at the diner, Emmett is reading the sports page, and uh, Debbie goes over to, like, she's like, oh, no, that's not for you. Let me get the style section for uh, you. Yo, Emmett has done really well with keeping this under wraps. Kind of. I mean, like, he hasn't told anybody, but, baby, you're changing everything up. You're reading the sports page. At the diner from everybody, yeah. Yeah, like, for real, for real. Like, that was so funny. Yeah, well, a cop comes in from Carl's Precinct, and uh, he drops by for a bit. It's clear that he knows Debbie because they call each other by name, and she knows that he's been been away for a while. And, um, well, he's not because he's been away, he's not up on all the hot goss as of late. (laughs) And so he assumes that Carl is taking Debbie to the policeman's ball tonight. Because they attended together last, last year. year. Yeah. Well, Emmett, who is always up to something, asks Bob if anyone can attend the policeman's ball. And he's like, yeah, it's open to anyone who buys a ticket. Well, Emmett is thinking of going. If he can find a date and a sassy redhead, for an example. Yes. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about when mm-hmm. I say Emmett has too much love to give. He doesn't have to do this. Like, the fact that he's yeah. 
still trying to set her up. You know, he went and saw Carl on his own. And was like, hey, Debbie can use a friend. So then he came over to see her. The fact that he's going to try to put together an outfit, tickets, take her to the ball to make, make her live her best life, you know, to get her man. That's love. Yeah, you know, he has is. just too much to give. I feel like he has too much love to offer the world than to be shut For it's down. To limit to one. Yeah, to one limit to one. Yeah. You know, so I'm like, ugh. <laughs> Oh, well, Debbie's not trying to hear any of what Emmett is proposing, especially because Catherine is probably going to be there. Mm. Well, Emmett says that she should go and show Carl what he's missing. That part. And then he's going to help her, yeah, help whip her into into shape for it. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, we see Lindsay sitting in Brian's office confessing her sins to him. And she tells him that Sam wants to see her again, but she told him, no, they can never do that again. Again, not that she doesn't want to, but yes, she tells him that they can't, they can't. Ever mm-hmm. do that again. And Brian is asking the most important question. Does he have the beef? Yes. I was like, come on, Brian. Because that's what I wanted to know. Well, yeah. I, you know, I wanted to know before we got to see that he had the beef. Well, yeah, because you yes. already know. I already know. I, boy, okay. Come on through with the Wagyu beef. Yeah, but Brian didn't know, so uh, he's asking. Well, allegedly, it's not about that. Lindsay says, I love Melanie. And Brian says, sure you do. But there's a little sarcasm and smugness to his face because this is what Brian has been preaching since season one. Like, he's had to face an alternate truth, but he's always said love was something that people tell each other so they can get laid. Then they end up hurting each other because it was all about lies to begin with. And so in a way she's kind of proving what he, what he has said, but now he knows that Lindsay does love Melanie, but I think, He's getting just a bit of satisfaction out of being kind of um, right. He is, not a bit. He's gonna look at his face. Yeah. Well, Lindsay can't see how what she did was possible, but Brian says anything is possible. Explaining it is the tricky part, which is true so in a lot true. of situations, and in this one for sure. Like, yeah. Yeah, definitely true in this situation. Well, Lindsay's like, I've always been a lesbian. Except for that one time in college where they engaged in a bit of a midsummer madness, her and Brian. <laughs> She's always trying to bring that up. In always trying to bring it up, but I never noticed his face into this episode. Yes, because he looks so uncomfortable. Yeah, <laughs> he pulled away like he yeah. readjusted himself. Took his everything. hand off her shoulder. Yeah. like Brian was yeah. not here for it. Okay, look, if there's a lesson for gay men to learn from Brian and Justin, is don't give the female best friend a taste. Like yeah. keep the beef away. Girl, I forgot all about Daphne. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, she got. She did. Girl, she got crazy with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She was walking in with her butterfly clips. Yeah. And her Girl, she was feeling <laughs> herself. Okay. And clearly, Lindsay is still feeling it. They've been out of college for a hot minute now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? At least eight, nine years. Yeah. And she's still going back to that one night. <laughs> so yeah. don't, don't be rocking that, these girl boots like that. Yeah. No, don't do it like that. <laughs> well, Brian hears her and believes her when she self-labels and self-identifies as a lesbian but he also acknowledges that there's a part of her that occasionally gets a hankering. Every decade or so. Yeah, every decade or so for uh, a <laughs> little something different. Mm-hmm. And then cruel little monster that he is, he has Lindsay help him choose one of Drew's photos when she's in the middle of a man meltdown. I know. And he got her looking at this <laughs> sexy-ass man yeah. half naked. Well, somewhere in this scene, Brian says it's okay to like men and it's okay to like women, but not at the same time. Mm-mm. And I think that's a line that doesn't doesn't translate well because... I mean, this line is written for Brian to deliver, and Brian has a certain way of speaking that is direct and simplistic, but it's also very layered. I don't think that this line is about is meant to be considered by erasure, right? Um, but I think it's I can definitely see how people translate it that way, and so mm-hmm. yeah, it's one of those lines that maybe didn't land how it was supposed. Yeah, I don't to. think it landed how it's supposed to be. 
uh, how how it was supposed to be taken. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I still get it. Like, yeah, I yeah. get what he's saying in yeah. the context of you got to limit it to the context yeah. of Lindsay's situation. Mm-hmm. And then it, yeah, you can understand why he said it that way. But yeah, just on a... It just didn't hit like a Brian Kenny phrase. Right. On a bigger scale, it didn't, mm-hmm. it didn't do what he, yeah, wanted to do. <laughs> so, well, in this scene, I also noticed that Brian is still drinking something like sparkling water. So it's a subtle reminder that he's still dealing with the treatment issues. Because on the one hand, and maybe we'll talk some more about this later, like I would kind of like to see more of him going through that, but... They didn't want to make that a focus, like Brian being right. weak in that way. And I don't so, think it would have been a good look. The characters, we wouldn't have appreciated seeing Brian sick and weak and mean always. You yeah, know? but but they find subtle ways to show you that he's still, still dealing with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like Brian's type of character, his, he could have just got all his toes cut off, but he's still putting his foot in that shoe and going to yeah. be walking. You know? Well, just knowing that Brian was weakened in this way, like that's enough to yeah. accomplish what they tried to accomplish. That part. Yeah, and then they show us where it's an ongoing thing. Mm-hmm. So even if we don't see him every day still laying in bed and sweating and running off to the bathroom, we still know right. what's going on. Because physically, he's looking fucking amazing. Yeah. Like, he, he's back. He's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's bouncing back. Girl, yeah. he's back. The skin that, that talk good. with Joan really yeah, uh, did for wonder real. for him. Boy, Thank you, Joan. We yeah. ain't never wanted you on here, but thank you. I know you. it. Yeah. If that's your one contribution to his <laughs> yeah. life, then thank, thank you. you, girl. Yeah, so also in the scene, he tells her not to say anything to Melanie. Now, I heard someone say, if you cheated, and be it once or more than once, but if it's over and you didn't get caught, you shouldn't tell your partner because because it's selfish at that point, because then you're just intentionally trying to hurt them. Do you agree with that? Uh, I was going, when Brian said, don't tell her, I was like, yeah, Brian, because she's being selfish as she does. Uh, I kind of believe that. Listen, if it was one of those things where you know you made a mistake, like Lindsay's thing, if you're not having like an ongoing affair, ongoing affair, then I mean, for each their own, you know, you got to work with your own demons. You know, you got to work through your own demons, whatever the case. But I feel like if I had a one a one time thing, this person who just like lit something in me, like it was just crazy. Like I started off hating him, and by the end of it, we end up having like a one and done. I'm probably not gonna say nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm probably not gonna say nothing because I'm not gonna jeopardize. Yes. Internally, because I have morals, internally, I will be fucked up. You know what I'm saying? Like, I would. I'll be fucked up. But I will work through that. There is no need for me to be selfish and just trying to clear my heart, but weighing all this extra weight onto yours. You know? Like, there is no need for me to do that and cause you hurt and pain and have you view me in a different way. And then that goes back to me being selfish. Uh, have you view me in a different way? Mm-hmm. You know, like, but I don't, me personally, if it was a one time thing, then I would say, no, nah, if I slipped up and did it twice, then bitch, I got a problem. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I got an issue and yeah. I need to go address this and handle this. And we need some counseling and I, I need to let you in on this because I'm not going to be able to do this without you. Right. But a one time deal, I mean, I think you should. And then you're already handling it on your own, you know, like handling it right. Like, we can't do this. Not, like you said, she didn't say she didn't want to do this, but we can't do this she handled it on her own i think she's good see i'm thinking of it from the perspective of the of the i guess the cheated the yes. person who's been cheated on and i'm like no i want to know no. <laughs> it's my thing nobody they, uh-uh. everybody say they wants to know but nobody really wants no, to know. no but i think i do because i'm already a paranoid person to begin with right. and like i don't like the idea of you having secrets from me and let's say five years from now, I find out that my partner cheated on me. Like, I'm going to feel like every day of our life for those five years was a lie. 
And so that's just how I am. Would you be able to bounce back from someone telling you that they cheated on you? I think it depends. But at in the this same situation. Time, but in this, I ooh. Because it wasn't, it wasn't the same one. Like when, when Melody cheated on Lindsay, that was with the female. I don't know if I could have recovered from that. But See, but if time, I'm Melanie, I feel like it's the opposite in this situation or like just as bad in this situation because Melanie can never be a man. We'll talk about oh, this more. We'll, we'll talk about this more. We'll talk about this more later. That's but, good. But I feel like if you were willing to risk getting caught, then you need to risk losing our relationship by being honest with me. It's how I feel. So. Eshell. I know. Come with the real, real. <laughs> like, oh. I just feel like I would, I would want to know. I understand I get what people are saying, like, it's selfish for you to go tell them just to clear your conscience. But I don't want secrets kept from me like that. That's true. But dang. I don't yeah. Know. What if the person really wants to protect you because they know how good you are? They know how wonderful you are. They had one weak moment. Well. Because people do have weak moments. They but do some, have weak moments. People, yeah. The flesh is weak. Okay. Yeah, we the, flesh we is the weak. flesh is weak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But. Maybe the flesh may be too strong when you come and being vulnerable and you open it up to them and then you lose everything. Yeah. I don't I, know. No, I just, I understand where you're coming from. And, <laughs> you know, point made, point taken, but I would want to know. Yes, okay. Yeah? I got you. Okay, well, so Hunter um, comes to see Michael at Red Cape and he needs $20 because being a teenager is very expensive. Yes. And Michael doesn't want to reward him for missing curfew or for lying and I don't like that he's always assuming Hunter is lying all the time. Right, but at the same time, like, I mean, you're 16, and yeah. I'm pretty sure they were lying like a motherfucker at 16. Brian oh, and yeah. Him. I mean, who wasn't? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, And also, Hunter does have a past. Now, I don't want them to keep holding it over him, right. but he didn't explain anything. Like, my mom, I, before I, that door even shut that night when I came in, I missed curfew. She would have knew everything. Yeah. Period. Oh, I'd have been sleeping in the, like, car, yeah, in the facts. carport, because she's like, no, this door locks at 11. That part. No, <laughs> so, for real. Like, it does not open after 11 Yeah. <laughs> and don't let me have a cell phone and not answering it. Like, I'm paying yeah. too much motherfucking money Then for I have lost my cell phone. Yeah. She, just to be spiteful, she will not pay for it. That for, part. Yeah. So, I think, I'm glad Michael is asking him these hard questions because he needs to be able to communicate. He's yeah. been on his own for so long, he didn't have to answer to anybody. He could right. do what he wanted to do. But now you have parents. You yeah. have people that's looking out for you. And if you're out here running the muck and getting in trouble, it falls back onto us. And then you get taken away. Yeah. You know, then you get taken away. And then that's bad business for you, bad business for us. And we're doing all this fight to get you back. It's extra work. So I'm, I'm glad the, I'm glad Michael's asking these questions. Yeah. Uh, he just needs to be a little more delicate. Yeah, I get it. Because, like you said, he does... He's used to doing his own thing, Hunter is. And so I get it, but still, it's kind of cringy to mm-hmm. me that they do keep questioning Because it's been a minute now. Yeah. You know, like, well, and stop assuming that I'm lying all the time. Yeah. But, but I mean, that is a very honest thing. My parents always thought I'm lying about something. Right. Even when I'm telling, like, nothing but the truth, they always assumed I was lying. Right. So. <laughs> well, you know, they didn't even ask Hunter to lie last couple episodes when he was jumped up and was like, oh, yeah, um, somebody came. Um, we didn't get a package from... <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> yeah. He was trying to hide being, you know. Um, right, but he was a bins. terrible liar, yeah, too. Terrible so liar. they should pick up on that. Like, he is not a good liar. Facts. Yeah. Well, Hunter says if he were hustling, he wouldn't be asking for money. Facts. Um, which is true, but that's also the best way to cover it up. <laughs> so, true. It is yeah. the best way to cover it up, but he wouldn't be covering no damn $20. No. You know uh, uh, like, yeah, especially if he didn't want them involved in whatever part of his he was life doing, that is. Yeah. 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 Nah. Yeah. Uh-uh. Yeah. Well, Michael keeps pressuring him, and Hunter admits admits that he's dating someone. Michael gives him an extra 10, tells him to go to the movies, and then he calls up Ben and after Hunter leaves and tells him that their boy has a boyfriend. Oh he is so God. happy and proud. Yes. <laughs> Bringing Hunter into this relationship, it really has got a different 
we've gotten a different version of Michael that we never got to see. Right. We got to see the father side of him, uh, which is good because he's already expecting. Because well, he was using that father side, but he was putting in the wrong. Like he tried to parent Brian or yeah. he tried to parent other people. And so, exactly. Like, he needs to put that in a more yeah. appropriate place. And now he can focus his energy on someone who actually needs that type of energy. He's seeing his um, son have his first boyfriend, you know. Mm -hmm. He's giving him allowance money to go to the movies in the mall. You took him shopping and got pizzas and stuff. You have these good things going on. Like, I mean, he's in a good space right now. Yeah, that's true. I agree with that. Well, Debbie and Emmett roll up at the policeman's ball, and Debbie is a vision as a lady in red. She's worried about dogs mistaking her for a fire hydrant. (laughs) (laughs) She's amazing. She looks so beautiful. She is glowing, and I love that she went all out with the red because that's what Carl calls her. Exactly. And uh, Emmett has a little accent there in his little pocket to match her little little red something. Well, they spot Carl, and he brings Catherine over to say hi. And uh, girl, Carl spots them. He did a yeah. he broke his neck. Yeah, I saw that he puts his hands in his pocket as Catherine wraps a possessive hand around his forearm. Yeah, like, I see you, girl. Because <laughs> she was about to try to start holding hands. He's like, No, she ain't finna hold my hand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's kind of surprised to see Debbie, obviously. And she says that she's always had a thing for a man in uniform. She's in a soft spot, a soft spot. Yeah, that's right. For a man in uniform. And Emmett has just always had a hard spot. So. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, Carl must be talking about Deborah to Catherine because Catherine says that she's just as colorful as Carl said she was. Excuse and I'm like, you. what does that mean? Yeah, okay. excuse you, sis. That part. Because, girl, don't make me drag your no makeup, eyelash, have an ass. <laughs> yeah. Don't come for young Deborah. That means all these fives need to, yes. <laughs> need okay. to listen when a tennis talk. That part. Okay. Yeah. Maybe take several seats. Yeah. Shoot. No, she didn't. But anyway, so I told Catherine to excuse herself, and so she does. Well, Emmett goes to grab drinks, leaving Carl and Debbie alone. Carl is trying to talk to her, but she's got him stumbling and fumbling over his wife. Okay, yeah. she is doing it. She came to slay the day. Yeah, right. he's happy to see her out and enjoying herself. And they're so cute with their older person flirting. <laughs> and then this song comes on that they danced to last year. And Debbie says maybe they can fit in a dance as friends before, um, but before he can respond, Catherine is back. Mm. So this was a great plan, but it's not exactly going the way that they were hoping it would no, go. But I'm glad that she's receptive and that yeah. she actually did it because normally the old Debbie w- would have said, no, I'm not doing it. He has someone. I'm not going. I got to I got to work an extra shift at the diner. Yeah. It's know? her fighting for what she wants. And yeah. that's important for Debbie to recognize. I want something and I'm going to fight. For what I want. Because she's always giving her love elsewhere. She's giving yeah. it to Vic. She gave it to Michael. She hover over the whole gang. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's never really Yeah, it's had never really been about her. what I want mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. I am happy to see that. You know what we need? Some Emma and Daphne scenes. Because they are both, like, they both love to scheme when it comes to their friends' yes. love lives. And they are both charming, but will break your face if they have to. That part. So. <laughs> I wonder how they, um, if they actually met. Because, I mean, she comes I around. I would assume so. Mm-hmm. So that'd be good. Like, yeah, I want to see that. Maybe we can get that. Well, over at Babylon, it is bike night. Uh, They're promoting a fundraiser to keep the hospice open to get some funds for the AIDS hospice. And Ted and Justin are getting people to sign up for the Liberty Ride. One guy offered Justin $1,000 if he would show him his junk. Ooh. Well, Je- Justin definitely stacked those coins. Yes, but when he <laughs> when he raised that check up, I was like, "You go one." Yeah, I'm guessing the check is made out to the charity, but I wouldn't be mad if it were made out to Justin. Nah, I, I wouldn't mean, either. He did earn it the hard that way. Part. So. Okay, literally the hard way. <laughs> yeah. Ben and Melanie are on stage to introduce the new fundraiser and the the person 
He gave up a very lucrative law practice in Toronto to make millions for charities. And so then we get to meet Jeffrey Pendergrass. And we see Brian over to the side chugging some water near the bar. And in my mind, he's all moody because Justin found some way to threaten all the bartenders so they won't give Brian anything but water. (laughs) That part. (laughs) That or he gave Brian another speech like, you gonna have water and that's it. That's it. it. Period. Yeah. Okay, and I'm gonna be watching. Justin you. has been on his neck. Like, yeah. I promise you, he Hook has to the neck, baby, yeah. full throttle. <laughs> yeah. Jeffrey comes over to the bar, and Brian offers to buy him a drink, but it's an open bar because all the drinks are on Jeffrey. And I'm thinking that bill is going to be through the roof if you through. tell people like that it's open bar. I mean, chug a lug. Yeah, <laughs> so, chug yeah. a lug. Yeah, if they are free, like I might mess around and have three cocktails. That part, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not the only one a little puzzled by this. Brian thinks that the money would be better spent going directly to the charity, to the hospice. Yeah, I think so, too. But Jeffrey kind of has a good point. He says, once the drinks start flowing, so do the donations. And people get a little loose with the coin when their inhibitions are well, lower. Well, you know that's true. That is you true. You know, the, the, the drink get the lips loose and it the does, I know. Loose. You want to give everything. Yeah, for real. <laughs> I give you my whole house. I'm like, telling you, I spend all my money up and I tell all my business when I'm drinking. Yeah. Lord have mercy. <laughs> yeah. I just go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I ain't got no stopping sense. <laughs> yeah. Well, Melanie happens to dance her way over and gets between them. And you know she has had eyes on Kenny all night trying to make sure he doesn't take Jeffrey off to the back room oh, somewhere. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Jeffrey leaves to go work the room and Melanie immediately questions Brian. She always assumes that he is up to something. Yeah. And I mean, it'd be different if she had like a little smirk in her eye, but no, it was looking no. like, what did you do? Yeah. She just what automatically assumes he did something yeah. wrong. Yeah. Or it was about to. Yeah. Even when she walked off, like it was a lingering look like, I don't trust you. Yeah. Like, and don't you start nothing. Yeah. Don't. Uh, we having a good night. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, we see Hunter in the car making out with his surprise girlfriend. And uh, she's trying to um, do a job, but he but he stops her. Like, so they're having this conversation, and she asks him if he's had real sex, and he says no, but he's thought about it. And I'm kind of glad that he can separate what he's been forced to do and what he's had to do to provide for himself and his family from what he would be choosing to do simply because of attraction and, like, yeah. teenage hormones. He hasn't had real sex. He was forced into mm-hmm. that life. Mm-hmm. He had to do that for a living, you know, for for survival. Yeah. When he meets someone that he cares about, this would be his first time yeah. having sex. Yeah, and know? it's also possible that he's never been with a girl before. He, like, I don't think that he has. I don't think he's been with a girl yeah. at all, period. She tells Hunter that she's done some other stuff, but she promised to discuss it with her parents before she graduates to the full shebang. Uh, Hunter says that he's not going to tell his parents because they're not like hers. And she's like, what do you mean? He's like, well, they're two men. Well, she thinks it's cool that, that his dads are gay. And Hunter's a little worried about what they will think of him dating a girl. And she says, well, they won't expect you to be gay just because they are. And I like this conversation and this situation, how it's all like flipped around. Instead of him being afraid to say he might be gay, he's afraid to say he might be straight. Yeah. And he's afraid to tell his gay dads that he might be straight. And so it's kind of really nice and entertaining to see all of this shifted around. Oh, uh, no, because it's normally the other way around. And uh, But it's it's funny. It gives it a little lightheartedness. Like, I mean, although it's serious, like he's yeah. nervous. Like he's really as nervous. Yeah. And he didn't even want to say that his dads were gay. Right. And I would always think that Hunter was proud, proud, uh-huh. you know? But I mean, now we get to see the true teenager in him. Right. You know? We get to see real Hunter. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. When he doesn't have to be bigger than he is or, or exactly. tougher than he is. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. He's getting to be his true self. Yeah. 
Now, I will admit, I felt very grown and uncomfortable watching Hunter making out with his girlfriend. I <laughs> his know. The first time I felt like he was a kid was watching yeah. that scene like, oh, this is weird. I know, like, mm, I don't want to no. see this. Do, yeah. Don't do nothing else. Okay, yeah, I don't want to see the camera, it, camera angles. Face black. Yeah, that part. I don't <laughs> yeah. want to see nothing else. Yeah, let's pause it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And no, I'm not going to think about the fact that Justin was pretty close to this age the first time he and Brian hooked up. I'm not going to think about that. It's a difference. Total difference. Yeah, it's a difference. Yeah. Yeah. My God, that is so funny. Yeah, well, Lindsay is home in bed with some tea, and Melanie gets home, and she comes in all preg-nasty, and uh, Lindsay (laughs) stayed home with a headache. Is that what we're calling it? Because it smells like guilt to me. That's what it smells like to me, baby. It's a brewing, too. Yeah, Melanie blames it on Sam, and you know all of Lindsay's holes clenched up when she heard that. (laughs) What what, what do you mean? Sam? Yeah. Well, Melanie's referring to the stress of the show and living up to Sam's expectations and and Lindsay's own expectations, that sort of thing. And um, so they kind of talk through that. Well, Mel left the club feeling a little revved up, but Lindsay is uh, asked for a rain check on that. Again, there we go, girl. You... You're changing everything up. You're looking yeah. suspicious. Uh-huh. She didn't came home. She rubbing on them long titties. Like, I mean. <laughs> Not long. Okay, well, in that shirt, they look a little long. You know what I'm saying? They look, I know she didn't have no bra on. Hey, ladies, no disrespect. I'm just trying to be funny. But still, though, um, she, she she pulling on them. You know, they were in her lap. So yeah. I was like, girl, go ahead and let her nurse on something. She horny. And she telling her, no, can we just, can we just. And she was rude with it. Like, I mean, she looked had a look of disgust. Yeah. On her, like, can we can we just do it a little later? Yeah. Baby, go wash this scene off you for your wife find out. Okay. Yeah. Melanie leaves to go check on Gus and comments that the tea Lindsay has been drinking looks cold. Nah, sis, it's piping hot today. That tea ain't cold. No. At all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get you a new one. No, nah, baby, she don't need nothing new. She yeah. had enough new new around this motherfucker, all right? She don't need nothing else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, Debbie and Emmett are back at the diner. Operation Take Catherine's Man did not work, even though Debbie practically threw the girls at Carl. Uh, Emmett tells her that they will have to think of another way to get his attention. And they have to act fast, though, because Debbie says Catherine has marriage in her eyes. Uh, That's because Catherine is trying to get in before that pension hits. Girl, Catherine, she see the numbers. Okay, <laughs> yeah. like, oh, he been here how long? Yeah. Okay, he about to get out. Coming okay. Up. Yeah. yeah, no, no, we finna travel the world. Yeah. <laughs> they finna buy an RV. Yeah, yeah, they are. They finna buy an RV. They finna hit the whole, they finna do the entire United States. Yeah. Period. Mm-hmm. Okay. But no, I'm glad how Debbie's like, we got to act fast. Yeah. I'm, this is a, a change-up, though. Uh-huh. I'm finally getting some fire underneath Debbie for something that she wants, you know? Yeah. She's like, well, hell, we gotta, if we're going to do it, we got to make this work quick, you yeah. know? So, I mean, like, I was, it was a good scene. Yeah. Uh, Ted walks in with an extra ticket for the game, and he offers it to Emmett. It's a way for Ted to thank him, and also Emmett seems to have this secret football obsession lately, so it kind of makes sense. And it's a great ticket in the skybox. Emmett says no, but Ted is insistent. And uh, Emmett is the one who turned him on to Drew. So he's like, you know, this is only only right, only fair. And Ted asks if Emmett has ever seen him play. And he says, well, not on the field. <laughs> and uh, as much as he would love to go, he promised that he wouldn't. And Ted wants to know, like, well, who did you promise that to? <laughs> yeah. And why? why yeah. Why but Emmett just kind of brushes on past that. Well, Debbie comes over and asks if Ted can score her a pair of tickets, too, because she has a friend who might like to go. Smart woman. It's very smart, baby. You know the best way to a man's heart is through his sports <laughs> and yeah. his stomach. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Like, we know you're going to keep him fed, but now you're going to the sporting events, girl? Yeah. And you showing up to my job event looking all delicious? Like, come on, Deb. Yeah. Come on through, young Deborah. Mm-hmm. Well, Brian is in his office working and having a green apple. Cynthia buzzes him to let him know that Jeffrey Pendergrass is there to see him without an appointment. Um, He walks in and says that he's told that Brian is the guy to get in bed with. And Brian says he'll have to come back after office hours for that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, Jeffrey heard that Brian was one of the most successful gay businessmen in Pittsburgh. Uh, No, boo. Brian is the most successful gay businessman in Pittsburgh. Let him tell it. Let him know. Uh, But I'm going to believe it because I want to. And that's all the proof I need. (laughs) Well, Jeffrey would like Kinetic's clients to be corporate sponsors for the Liberty Ride, which makes sense because if you can offset some of the expenses of a charity event, you get to maximize the profit. And it would add further legitimacy by having some of those big name clients attached to the event. Plus, there's product loyalty, tax write-offs, all that stuff to consider. Well, that's what's in it for Brian's clients. What Brian really wants to know, though, is what's in it for Jeffrey. And he says, a living. Well, the blunt honesty gets Brian's attention. And this isn't true for all of them, of course. But if you're a professional money raiser, I would assume you're best at raising money for yourself. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so Brian doesn't have an issue with his hustle necessarily, but he's not interested in telling his clients where to put their money. Well, Jeffrey slides a little veiled threat across Brian's desk. It wouldn't be good for your clients if they were to be perceived as being homophobic, nor would it be good for word to get out that Brian is insensitive to the needs of his community. But one, don't come in my office trying to shake me down. Yeah. Okay. Because you'll be tossed the fuck out. Okay. Like, don't come in here trying to shake me down. Okay. He goes into the same book as Scummy Sam to me. Okay. Like, they're y'all on the same page. Mm Mm-hmm. How dare you? Like, I don't know. I didn't like that episode. That yeah. scene at all. I didn't like it. I don't like this guy, period. Yeah. All you trying to do is fat in your damn pockets. No. Like, no. I don't like no threats. I don't, You don't like no shit like that. Period. Yeah. Well, and let the record show, Brian had some of the pool boy money donated to the community. He did the ad work for the carnival in season three for the yep. GLC. He went broke behind the concerned citizen stuff. Yep. Like, don't question his commitment to the community, Buster. And so Jeffrey thought he would just come to Connecticut and grease Brian for his yeah, money. Yeah, that's what he tried to do. Mm-hmm. No. And he says they all need to open their hearts and checkbooks and give as generously <laughs> as they can. Like, dude, okay. go yeah. away. We're, get out of here. We're not here for you. Yeah, get out of here. We see Drew Boyd on the field, and we are at an Iron Man's game. So are Ted and Emmett and Carl and Debbie. Drew makes a great play, and Debbie and Carl get a little wrapped up in the, in the celebration. <laughs> Debbie hopes that Catherine doesn't mind, and Carl says... What, that I came to a game with a friend? And security escort that this part. man to the peasant seats. Like, Girl, he doesn't deserve the skybox. That's you, for boyfriends only. That part, because you, you're doing the most. Okay, yeah. like, I just I just got you to the skybox. Right. Of your first Iron Man skybox game. Like, right. Come on now. and Don't even, you better not say nothing with a, a cat, period. <laughs> I don't want to hear cat, Catherine, I don't nothing. Yeah. A cat, no. Yeah. Nothing. Well, Emmett is next to Ted, and he tells him that this is the first football game he's ever been to. He's really enjoying himself, and Ted points out that he hasn't taken his eyes off Drew and accuses him of being in love with him, which Emmett vehemently denies. But, of course, Ted doesn't mean any of this in the way that Emmett is thinking. And uh, he says, after seeing Drew's underwear ad, he's a little in love with him, too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then Sierra enters the skybox, and Emmett gets real uncomfortable. Yeah. He tries sneaking out, but of course she spots him, and he introduces her to Ted, the man responsible for the ads that have women in a certain segment of the male population drooling over her fiancé. 
Emmett keeps trying to leave, but Sierra insists that Drew would be disappointed if he didn't stick around and say hi after the game. And then Carl pops up out of nowhere, excited about meeting the team. He's like, no, Carl, only boyfriends. That part, okay. <laughs> I'm, and Carl would have been me. I would have been that because everybody could hear Emmett say, no, I, I got to go. Yeah. Like, I got to go. No, no. He would pop out of nowhere like, we can meet Drew? Yeah. <laughs> if you don't get your little free low nest. Yeah. Girl. Uh-uh. But why would Drew be disappointed if you didn't get to see her? Um, Emmett. I guess because he knew him from the party and he knows he met him one night. Sierra's kind of friend. I Sierra guess. played that up a little bit too much. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, the Iron Man win the game because when Emmett's about to head out, it's like it's tied, just seconds left in the game. Well, the Iron Man end up winning and Sierra leads them all down to the locker room. I do kind of feel sorry for her because I don't like to see people made to look like a fool. That part. Okay. Yeah, I, I definitely feel bad about for her as in. Bitch, as in, do not be smiling in my face yeah. and messing with my man. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, yeah. it's one thing to mess with my man, but I ain't got to see you or know you. But the fact that you in my face still, mm-hmm. you know, like, I mean, granted, she doesn't know. But if she found out that it happened, you know, like yeah. I saw you after the fact recently. You've been in my face. That, that's grounds to get you cut. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Go shopping that razor on up. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I do feel a little bad for yeah. her in, in this scene. Girl, mm, it, it was tough. Yeah. Uh, Emma should have just escaped, though. Like, mm-hmm. damn, some, I got to use the little lady's room. Yeah, just uh, and keep never walking. Come back. Yeah. Like, hey, girl, just keep walking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, he, it could have been something different. Yeah. Well, ben and Michael are home having a pizza night. Ben is wondering why Hunter didn't just come out and tell them that he has a boyfriend. And Michael says, you know, it's because he's a teenager and not communicating with parents is what they do. And Hunter's trying to develop a sense of self. Basically, he regurgitates what Hunter told him at at the comic shop. (laughs) Uh, But that's for lame parents. Ben thinks that they are hip and cool. And maybe they were before Ben does whatever he thought that pose was. It was not cool. (laughs) No. Okay. It was not hip or cool. Yeah, that was not it. And Hunter agrees with me when he comes in and sees them. Ben asks Hunter what's new because Michael can't keep anything a secret. And, of course, he told him. And they're so happy about him having a boyfriend they want to know what he's like. And Ben goes straight into the like sex talk. And when my mom tried that with me, I literally threatened to jump out the window. I'm so happy. <laughs> I didn't even get that talk. Like, God, like my mom thought I was going to be a virgin forever. I like, told her to stop immediately or I was going to jump out the window. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even have to have it. That would have been so awkward. Like, yeah. No. Just, ugh, Let me get all the bad information from the internet. Like, yeah. No, for real. No. Like, I don't want to hear from you. who know nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to hear yeah. from you. But they are all gay men, and so they should be able to talk about this. And Ben goes to mention Hunter's responsibility to be careful, but Hunter already knows that. And they want to meet this boyfriend. They are open-minded. doesn't matter if he has tattoos or body piercings. And they're trying to be, like, super cash, keep it real casual, <laughs> you know, real chill. But Hunter is getting more and more uncomfortable because he's having to maneuver around these questions to mm-hmm. keep from telling that it's a the, girl. the truth. And then he comes on out and says, I don't have a boyfriend. I told you I have a friend, but I didn't say he was a boy. Mm-hmm. And their reaction is kind of funny to me. Like, they just assumed he was gay since, as far as they know, all of his tricks were men. But how much of that was Hunter's choice? Right. And, uh, you know, and, and Hunter is cool with their lifestyle and the fact that they are gay. But I'm sure he's been exposed to all sorts of things. And so he's just kind of like, okay, whatever, you know, to each their own. So true. Like most parents, they assume their child was just like them. You know, straight right. parents do that. They assume True. their child is just like them. So mm-hmm. True. I mean, I don't think I never saw Hunter being straight either, but that was silly. Like yeah. I didn't give him it's a like, chance. Like why not? Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. I didn't give him a chance at mm-hmm. all. But I love that he he's actually being honest to himself mm-hmm. and going for something. Like we never see him fight for something that he wants. 
he was always fighting just to survive, right. you know? But now he's fighting for himself as well. And he's choosing something. And he's choosing this girl, mm-hmm. you know? And he seems happy. Yeah. And we never see Hunter nervous. We never see him nervous. Yeah. He is nervous around this girl. Yeah. But I really appreciate, like I said before, seeing all this situation and seeing it from a different angle. Correct. Well, back at the stadium, Drew is doing the whole meet and greet thing. Carl, Ted, and Debbie are all starstruck. And there's a mention of a wedding in June. Sierra points out Emmett to him, who's standing a little away from the rest of the group. Drew looks over, and I'm sure uh, of the many things he's feeling, one is, why would you come here? Yes. And then, uh, and that was that makes me a little sad for Emmett. I mean, Emmett knows what he walked into. It made but, me very sad for Emmett, though. Yeah. But he's not the first person to find himself in an entanglement. And even though the situation is messed up, it doesn't mean the feelings aren't real. Right. True. Um, you can see that Emmett was already feeling a certain way because he knew that he overstepped the bounds. Right. He didn't try to. He tried everything in his power to get out of it. But, I mean, the attraction, he wanted to see his man. He thought right. he would never, wouldn't, wouldn't have been caught. But he did get caught. But the fact that he was, like... Sierra and the rest of the gang are all over here. Emmett is kind of like hiding in the corner a little right. bit. Like, I mean, he's kind of, and he looks sad, you he know? He does, He yeah. looks really, really fucking sad. It was just terrible. Yeah, well, Drew tells them that he's going to take his honey home and chill out, and he gives her a kiss that is very extra and very unnecessary. Very. But he does have a truth to sell. Oh, I hate him in this moment. Like, <laughs> I'm just like, why would you do that? Yeah. Like, bro, you overdoing it. But you that's know? why he's overcompensating like, because, and he's kind of punishing Emmett in a way. He punished Emmett. For and coming. Like he, Emmett should not have to been punished. Emmett didn't want any part of that, period. It was the Arias who wanted to bring him down. The Emmett was trying right. to leave and get, mm-hmm. up, get up out of there. But yeah, he was punished. And I was just like, damn. Yeah. He did break the rules, though. You know, you, you're not supposed to come to the big game. So. Right. So but, stay in the four walls of the cheap motel. That but, part. Okay. Listen, yeah. live that life for me, baby. I was content with the hotel room. Okay, you, <laughs> you were wanted more. Being the dirty little secret. You wanted more, Emmett. Yeah. Okay. Well, then we see Brian in Jeffrey's hotel suite, and I don't think Brian ran- randomly just showed up there. So I don't think it's a coincidence that Jeffrey is standing around in his plush bathrobe, absolutely not sipping bubbly. Like he offers Brian a glass, but champagne makes Brian puke. But he notices that it's a very expensive label. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian says that he's serious about the champagne thing, which could be true because Brian doesn't usually lie about something, definitely not something that doesn't matter. Oh, he wasn't lying. He literally but, said, I can take 10 shots of tequila, but champagne yeah, really just goes through. But me. I kind of thought about it, and I kind of feel like, because I, I want to say he was toasting with champagne at the Kinetic launch party. but So this could be a dig at pretentious people who drink champagne, expensive champagne alone in their own bathrobe true. on the dime of two trusting people. It could also be because he's still sick and not allowed to have alcohol as part of his recovery. Mm-hmm. Or it could be that it really does make him sick. I mean, just take your pick there. All of those. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, Jeffrey goes to change, and Brian notices all the shopping bags on the table. And we are all in the wrong business because apparently charity work is where the big bucks are. It, girl, I <laughs> yeah. want that sweet. He had the champagne. He had caviar. Yeah. He had all these bags. Designer bags. Yeah. yeah. Well, Jeffrey doesn't deny it when Brian calls that out, and he tells Brian that it's a living, like he said earlier in his office. He comes back out, assuming Brian has given their conversation a little thought, and Brian has. Well, Brian found out that Jeffrey is a great fundraiser, but the organizations don't really see much of that in the end. Oh, I knew it. Yeah, not after deducting the cost of the champagne, the hotel suites, the caviar, the lavish welcome parties. And Jeffrey says that he deserves a nice lifestyle for as hard as he works and for the amount of money that he raises. And it's all above board, so what's the harm? 
And, you know, maybe that's a reasonable explanation, but then there's the case in Denver where a local AIDS organization sued him for swindling them out of money that he spent on himself. Ridiculous scumbag. That's yeah. why you're in the same boat as Sam, Scummy Sam. Yeah. You're a scumbag. <laughs> Put him right over yeah. there, too. Yeah. You're going to kind of kind of shake, you're going to shake me down, and then you're still not even giving the proceeds to the right organization? Right. Get the hell up out of here, bro. Okay. You don't even know who you're messing with at all. Brian could shred him. Yeah. Okay. Could put it into you in seconds, but he's going to hear your ass out for a minute. So he tries to justify all of his actions, but Brian is too smart for all of that. It's like, do not threaten him. Do not question him, because when you do, you deserve what you get in response. Uh, Brian says, we'll make sure every cent you raise here in Pittsburgh goes exactly where it's supposed to. Facts. And I'm like, who vetted him? Like, you got to do your Google. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I mean, I don't think they had Google back then, but no, still, well, though, it was know? it was a new thing, yeah, yeah. back then. And right. I don't blame Melanie, and I blame Philip and Tannis for this. This is always Philip and Tannis. Yeah. It's always <laughs> yeah. them, Lord. Yeah, but once again, Brian is there to clean up someone else's mess. Um, like he was skeptical from the jump, but probably would have left it alone had Jeffrey not strolled into his office uninvited, making demands and trying to guilt and pressure Brian into exactly. Something. Uh, so mm-hmm, I'm glad that he went over there and uh and called him out. Yeah, on that. he had to call him out, and he over there waiting. He thought he was gonna get some booty tonight. I think he did think okay. that Brian was showing up for a little nightcap. Yeah, he thought he was uh-huh, gonna get a little something. He had that had that robe on. Yeah, yeah and <laughs> the caviar. Shimper. Yeah, the caviar. It looking real sexy in there. It was. Boy. Yeah, all he needed was Sam's saxophone. That part, okay. <laughs> to set the mood right. Yeah. But uh, nah, absolutely <laughs> not. Brian wasn't here for it. I'm glad Brian did his dirty work. He pulled out all the scummy shit that needed to be said, you know? Yeah. And let this dude know, like, hey, I got your number. I know who you are. And trust me, if I know, the world's going to know, too. That's right. If you don't give all this money to where it needs <laughs> to be right. going. Yeah. Okay. We're going to do a thorough accounting yes. of this, of all these coins. Yeah. I want you to meet Theodore. Theodore. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. That's the perfect way for him to redeem himself yes, for, for a failing little bit on the Drew thing. Uh, yeah. yeah. For real, for real. Well, over at the girl's house, there's a visitor at the door, and Gus runs to answer it with Melanie hot on his heels. It is Sam, and he has the nerve to show up at Lindsay's house. First thing I said was, bitch, don't come to the crib. Real, if, Do not come yeah, to my house. Yeah, if we're having an affair, like, I don't ever, ever, ever want you to come to my house. Ever. <laughs> like, period. Do not come here. Well, Melanie is very nice to him because she's got no reason not to be. Lindsay comes downstairs, and Sam says that he stopped by to say goodbye. He's heading to M- Milan. And Lindsay says, well, that should be a step up from Pittsburgh. And it feels a bit like she's fishing for mm-hmm. something to me. And I'm like, take the bait off the hook. Take the Let line out the water. <laughs> like, no, ma'am. Yeah. Uh, well, she offers to walk him out to his car. And you can see her bracing her, herself for this conversation. And Sam says that he couldn't leave without saying goodbye. And Lindsay wishes that he would have. She bets that there are other women that he is uh-huh. uh, yeah, kind of just <laughs> dipped out on. After getting what he wants. And Sam says it was more than that. It meant more than that to him. And he wants her to come with him. And uh, considering that he has X's and O's and all the area codes, Ah! that's supposed to be a compliment to her because he's never felt this way about anyone. And I mean, I guess who's to say if that's true or not. And I think she can't deny that she's happy to hear what he's saying. It feels good. Yeah. And, um, And he tells her to think about it. But she tells him, I have a family on the other side of that door. My wife is in there, my son, I've got a baby on the way. Like, that's the life that I have right now. And he tells her that there's more to her than than that, than her family. 
And he wants to show her, show her a whole new world on a magic carpet ride. Come on, Jasmine. But Lindsay says, no, this is who I am. She can't get her Jasmine on today. <laughs> and uh, she says, even if there was a very small part of her that wanted something else, she would still choose to stay there. Now, Lindsay has limited herself to these two options, and she's choosing the one that includes her wife and her children. Yeah. And she tells Sam to leave, and he goes, albeit reluctantly. I mean, that's the best option. I think, I'm glad she chose. I mean, she really wants the family life. And like we said before, she did sacrifice a lot to have that life. So I think she deserves that. Um, I hate when you, you hear about celebrities all the time, how they're, they have humble beginnings. And soon as they get to Hollywood, they, they start living this fast life and forget everything. That was the fast life. He was Hollywood. He could have tra- gave her a career, transformed everything, but she probably would never have been as happy. You know, she wouldn't have been. She wouldn't have had that family that she wanted, the family that she knows she can trust. She knows that male will do anything for her, where I'm glad she got validated that it was more than just sex because she would have been just a number on right. his notch because we know what he does. He he runs through them. That's, right. what, that's what he does. It's nothing special to him. He just knocks you off and on to the next. So I think that was another part of her feeling down and out. Like, damn, mm-hmm. I just I added just another one to his tally. You know, like he doesn't yeah. care about me. He doesn't care about anything. But him showing up at the door, him calling and doing all these other things, it kind of just confused her because she wasn't she wasn't thinking that was going to be the type of guy he was or, or even be interested in her. She see herself as being plain Jane. She's nothing special. Oh, I was an artist, but I don't do it anymore. I work at this um, this um, gallery here. It's nothing special. It's nothing big. She always downplays herself. But the fact that he saw something in her, it sparked a change. And it also made her really dig deep and reevaluate herself. So I'm glad she made the choice to stay home because she is, she's a great wife. She loves her family. She loves her kids. She just needed some excitement. Yeah. And she, I feel like she got her little feel, push it away, move on. Yeah. I think there's a part of her that doesn't really want to, that doesn't really want to see him leave. Like she, of course she wants him to go, but there's a part that doesn't want to see him leave because in saying goodbye to him, she might be saying goodbye to something within her. Like mm. what kind of what you were saying, it did stir up a lot in her and now I want to point out that I'm thinking of this in a very narrow context like I'm only thinking about Lindsay and what we know about her and what she says about herself I'm not thinking about her representing this larger thing or larger community um, not because you can't or shouldn't but because we're just going to treat this like an individual character um, but uh, anyway so I do think that for her it's like that was just a glimpse into this other life that she could have been living like what you were saying Correct. you know it's like had i chose a different path here's kind of an alternate universe that, yeah. I, that i could have been in and so she dipped her toe in it and experienced it for a little bit but then was like okay no that's not that's i chose not I, I chose this mm-hmm. life like at some point i chose this life with melanie with gus with our baby that's on the way and so that's what she's kind of even though now that you've tasted from that other well, yeah. it's kind of like, mm. <laughs> That alkaline water was good. Yeah, that was kind of, yeah. It was tasty, but. Uh, yeah, but yeah, still. I, I need my well like, water. Okay, way back when I chose this. And so no matter if I enjoyed that, like this is what I, this is what I chose. But something I want to say about Sam and his feelings toward Lindsay, I kind of wonder if he, how he would respond to the part of Lindsay that is more like prim and proper and the country club waspy part of her. She does. There is a part of her that does want to be traditional and fit mm-hmm. in with polite society, and so I kind of wonder would she just kind of give all that up? But I, I think that's. I think she always has kind of been on the fence between those two things. Yeah. So I wonder how he would respond to that side of her. Like he's seeing that you come alive and you paint these great pictures and you're you're feisty and that kind of thing. But 
there's a whole other side of her too. I see them being very similar. As in, he's way like if if on a scale of one to ten, she'll be a, a seven, a seven and a half, maybe an eight. Where he's an eleven, mm-hmm. but I think they're very similar. Like, I mean, Lindsay. It was a rebel to her family, you know? Yeah, she, she was, was a rebel yeah. in college. We've learned that. Yeah. yeah. And so maybe she would, maybe she is repressing that part of herself and wouldn't do that so much in this other situation. Right. But uh, we don't get to see that yeah, right Yeah, we now. don't get to see it. And he, oh, girl, he ain't worth it. Nah, he ain't worth it. Uh, I kind of also wonder how her parents would respond to Sam. Like, he's very arrogant and crass. But, they will like him. He's but a man. He's, yeah, he's a man. With and money. so, a man who's successful. And mm-hmm. I think that his gender alone would overrule all Everything. of his, yeah, yeah. Oh, bad qualities. He's amazing, honey. You should be mm-hmm. with him. Like, no. Like, yeah. They wouldn't care about none of the shit that he does. No, they would only care that he's a man because the Petersons are terrible people. <laughs> yeah. Then we see Debbie home holding a melon, and Carl brought it to her. He was doing some police work near the market and thought of her. And so this is a thank you gift. Girl, who brings a melon? <laughs> well, that's not the thank you gift she was hoping for. I know, but still, yeah. this is his way just to get on over there to young Debra. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. But keep going. Because uh, he's so grateful that he got to meet Drew Boyd and that Debbie has been such a good friend to him. And Debbie says maybe they could do something else for <laughs> like bowling or fishing. Well, Carl has something in mind, and then it gets real friendly. Girl, <laughs> it gets friendly because he leaned in for the kiss. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And my favorite part is when when Debbie asked him, was that a friendly kiss? A, a friendly kiss? And he said, yes. And then she says, well, it can get a little more friendly. Yeah. Yo, I was <laughs> dead. That's what I'm talking about right there, Debbie. Yeah. Uh, he ain't married, and you had him first, okay? He's yours. She might have had him once, but you got him all the time, yeah. okay, girl? And, and Catherine was just like, uh, you know, yeah. he wanted Debbie back, but Debbie wasn't cooperating. Yeah. So he had so to move on. a little on. filler. She was just a fill-in. Yeah. You know? Rebound. That's the rebound. And to the people saying he's only kissing her because she got him tickets to the game and because Catherine could never haven't we as a society been through enough i mean the world is in shambles right now i paid five million dollars for a tank of gas today like yes. let me be happy about something please okay god <laughs> yeah dang but you know it was good to see that chemistry back i don't care what type of kiss it is you know like i already know if debbie unleashed those tricks yeah it, it'd be a wrap it would be a Catherine who yeah. okay like no seeing them again in this episode because you know we get to see them more than once mm-hmm it was just, you still can feel the chemistry there. Right. Although he's seeing someone else, you can still see that he's, he can't act, act, like get all of his words. He can't gather his words properly, mm-hmm. you know. When he looks at her, he has like this longing look, this stare yeah. in his eyes for her. Like there's something going on between the two of them, mm-hmm. you know. And Catherine, she can feel that shit too. That's yeah. why she's always around, you know, yeah. and throwing little shots. Don't make me come shred your ass, Catherine. Because <laughs> I will. What I like about the majority of the couples in this show is that we see them making a choice to be together because sometimes you might fall into the situation at the beginning, but then you've got to make a choice to stay in it or to go back into it. And so I like that we get to see them making a choice to be together Mm -hmm. again. Yeah. Um, Someone pointed out that Carl needs to make some amends after the whole silently complicit thing he did with the Stockwell stuff. And how he just laid down on the path of least uh, least resistance, and that's a, that's a no, legit that's a good concern. one. That's a good one. Good but, ups, you know, ups. because but when the evidence became more than he could deny, I'm sure he had to eat his fair share of crow there, especially because he was dealing with Brian on that, and Brian loves Debbie. Now he's not going to go give Carl the shovel talk. 
and he's not going to get overly involved in Debbie's business, but he wouldn't just stand down and let someone undeserving get over on Debbie. I exactly. don't I don't think. No, I don't either. Plus, Debbie wouldn't just turn a blind eye to that because she's a strong woman, and I don't think she's going to compromise too much of her beliefs just for a piece. Exactly. And so, personally, I believe that conversations were had. We didn't get to see them, but, yeah, I think in between episodes, conversations were had, mistakes were recognized, owned up to, and apologized for. No, that's a good one. Um, when we do our, our interviews with the, the writers, that's a good question, you know, or, or some uh, touch, like, why didn't they show it? Or, or did they envision a conversation mm-hmm. being had, you know, because it was, yeah, he just rolled over like a little dog. Because he didn't want to, like, it's like, look, I'm close to retirement yeah. soon. I just want to take the easy road. Yeah. yeah he turned a blind eye. <laughs> he did. Know, so. But then he did end up having to kind of, take the lead on some of this stuff once it was like okay we cannot cannot deny right. what's happening and now true he was forced to take some action on exactly. it exactly where but, debbie debbie's not even with the police um police department period she did the majority of y'all work that whole year yeah Jeez. yeah so i mean yeah he has some stuff to make up for but i just choose to believe that he he did has done some yeah. reconciling yeah because I, I don't want to have bad bad feelings for, for yeah well, now I don't want to believe that Debbie would sacrifice her own morals, right? For yeah. for that, yeah, for a little piece, yeah, not for a little piece. Well, she well, it may not be little because what well, Vic said, and he did a thirsty lesbian. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> what yeah. it's what he what they compare Carl to. That so. part, okay, yeah. Well, Emmett is at the motel, ready and waiting for Drew outside. At time and the rest of the world are moving right on by while he waits. And this is kind of the life of a side piece. I mean, that's not an insult or anything. It's just that's part of it. And I think Emmett is realizing that, like, the secret hot hookups were fun, but this is not so Not fun. the life, yeah. And I hate this for Emmett. Like, yes, I know he only has himself to blame, but I can still feel for him. And you can tell that he wasn't even going to address Drew's tardiness with him because— when Emmett thought he heard him or saw him approaching. He switched positions. Yeah, he kind of positions himself to look very enticing. And so that shows me that Emmett is kind of losing his voice in this situation and not really standing up for himself and basically like shrinking into something that's not the Emmett that we that right. we know. He turns on the TV and cracks open a beer. And at some point, very late into the night or possibly early in the morning, he sits up and you just kind of hope that's him saying, okay, It's enough. over. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. This was a heartbreaking moment for me. I know I say heartbreaking a lot, but this really was. Oh, I say it a lot, too. It's um, okay. <laughs> you can even feel it in my energy now talking like, God. Like, yeah. Uh, I really, I was really invested in them. I know two wrongs will make a right, but that wrong just felt so right, you know? <laughs> and the fact that Emmett is being punished, mm-hmm. you know, like, it just, it stirs something in me. Like, Emmett, you deserve more than that. Mm-hmm. It goes back to what I said earlier about he has too much love to give. He didn't need that relationship. He didn't need he didn't need Drew at all. Period. I think it was just something that was fun and exciting. And then he loved so hard he gets he got wrapped up in it. And then Drew, you want to punish him and treat him like this? No right, phone calls, no nothing. Yeah, yeah, like nothing. Like at least have your little assistant or somebody just say like, so, "Hey, he ain't coming." Yeah, period. But he waited there all night. He sacrificed himself. I mean, that just pissed me all the way off. Like mm-hmm. I was like so done. Like. I'm ready to move on now. Like, I got my Drew fix. I'm ready to move on because Emmett, that was just shitty. It was, it was yeah. so shitty what happened to you. You've been punished by some grown man. Like, how? what the hell? Yeah. Some cheater. Right. Stop it. Yeah. Um. But I do love the song choice for this scene. It's Hear Me Out, but I forget who it's by. But anyway, yeah, I felt very uh, very sad for Emmett in that, in that scene. 
Well, we see Michael and Ben lying in bed, and Ben is reading a book, and Michael is still distraught over Hunter. And he thinks, well, maybe it's just a phase. Maybe he just hasn't met the right boy. And <laughs> Michael is wondering, how do you explain, like, all the men that he's been with? And Ben says, well, his mother put him up to that line of work, and it was about yeah. money, not not, not love. love. Yeah. yeah. And there was no choice to it. Um, and I've kind of joked about this storyline, but I also think there's something deeper to it. Like, just if you swap out the genders and for the parents, it's really that same feeling of did we do or not do something to cause this? Like, how do we relate to our child now? Like, the worries and the fears may be different, but they do exist just the same. And they're concerned about will we be able to connect with him? Right. Well, can we relate to him? And Ben tells them that he slept with a girl once or twice and didn't really have any complaints. So maybe he can give a little bit of advice, but really they're going to defer to Melanie and Lindsay because they feel like they're better equipped in the art of pleasuring a woman. Uh, but these days, I don't know. Yeah, baby, I don't, because Lindsay just showed us something else. Yeah. she got a man sprung, okay? Yeah. But what really tugs at the heart is Michael wondering if Hunter would be better off with straight parents, people who could understand him. And now y'all know I'm the first to call Michael out if he's being overly dramatic or trying to pawn off his responsibilities, but I think he's sincerely concerned no, he is. about what they can offer Hunter. And I think like, he wants the best for Hunter. Yeah. No matter what it is, he always I mean, it was a slow, rocky start, but Yeah, it was awful at yeah, the beginning. But now that they're here, like it's whatever can make Hunter the best hunter that he can be. Yeah, and he's like, Well, how how can we teach Hunter how to be a good partner to a woman? And you would say, Well, it's the same thing with anybody. But that's it's not this is not unheard yeah. of because there are straight parents of gay and lesbian or otherwise queer children and they have these same concerns and questions like how am I going to prepare them for a life that looks totally different from my, from mm-hmm. my life. Even though love should be love, but still the expressions of that yeah, can be you, different. You don't have any experience. Yeah, so and so Michael from. just feels a little inadequate at that. And he says, well, maybe it shouldn't matter to us, but what if it makes a difference to Hunter? Like, what if Hunter's wishing and, that he and had somebody else? I'm glad that the way they're speaking, which means I know later in this, um, later, like an episode or two down, they're going to have a conversation. It feels like they're going to have a conversation, but the way they're speaking seems like it feels like they're open to whatever works best for him. Like we want to have a sit down, let us know what we can do to assist you on this journey. You know, like when do we meet her? What do we do to make you feel comfortable? I feel like they're trying to find solutions to, to make Hunter Hunter's life as easy as possible, as comfortable as possible. And, you know, they want to go with the flow and do whatever he's, whatever he's for. for Yeah. Yeah. we're, We're here for you. And um, I like to see that in Michael because I had given up all faith on Michael. <laughs> oh, yeah. We keep going back and forth on that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, we see Ted and Emmett at Woody's and uh, the Iron Man's game is on uh, the television. And I'm just going to ignore the fact that they're showing um, Drew's season stats for 2002. It could be 2003 because, you know, football spills over into yeah. the next year. Um, or they could be showing the previous year's stats as a comparison. But either way, we're just going to keep it cute and keep pushing <laughs> right on past that. But Ted comments on Drew's performance and uh, how he can do anything. And Emmett can attest to that. He comes on out and tells Ted that he and Drew Boyd have been having an affair. Uh, Ted doesn't believe it at first, of course. But them are the facts. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, they've been meeting three times a week at that little motel. But it's over now, and the worst part is that Emmett was falling in love with him. Eh, God, I knew it. I could just tell by the way he was looking. You all were spending too much time. It was well, with it takes the kiss. five seconds to fall in love. Anyway, right, true, so. but it was supposed to be just a hookup thing. Drew muddied the waters. Yeah. You gave a kiss. 
Mm-hmm. You wanted me to stay a little longer. You're holding my hands. You're asking me this feels so natural and right. I mean, you muddied the waters. Right. The feelings are going to be involved. When it was just a sex thing, when Emmett, when you were rushing to run to the restroom after you finished to get yeah. dressed to leave to go back to your fiance, mm-hmm. your fiance. <laughs> right. The boundaries okay. might have been a little bit clearer yeah. then. Yeah. But then you started lingering a little more. Mm-hmm. You started muddying and dirtying up the water a bit. So now I don't know. The fact that Emmett started falling in love just hurts me. Yeah. That's the part that hurts me. Yeah. Because Emmett really did care for this man. Well, in this scene, Emmett is wearing a turtleneck. And so y'all know that means he had to do the mature thing. And yeah. move on, you know? Is he going to slay in the neck? Well, turtlenecks and maturity, they go hand in hand. Of course, folks. So, mm-hmm. yep. Yep. He's got to move on now. <laughs> well, we see Brian and Justin dropping off Brian's $2,000 Barcelona chair at the AIDS hospice. And Brian insinuates that Justin convinced him by withholding sex. And I love the look that Justin gives him. They're such a cute married yes. couple. <laughs> Well, Gene, who is over the hospice, says that they've hit a snag. Jeffrey Pendergrass went ghost on them. Like he didn't show up at the meeting, and he checked out of his hotel. Of the donations that have already come in, Jeffrey sent a letter saying that they almost but not quite covered his expenses. And so he not only robbed them of potential funds, he also robbed them of their hope. Everything. Yeah. I'm glad that they addressed this because that rainbow power and that rainbow purse is a real thing and it's huge. And there have been people who have used that to their personal advantage while pretending to support the community. And um, so I'm glad that they did go here with this storyline. And Brian calling him out made him jump ship. But imagine what would have what he would have gotten away with had Brian not. He would have taken way more money. Right. He would have gotten away with a lot more. And would have left them penniless anyway. Right. So or I'm just glad. barely. Yeah, barely. You know, and all the effort and work that y'all have been putting into this, you would have gotten a fraction of that money. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm glad Brian called him out, spooked him a little bit, because he knew that if if you didn't do what you were going to say you were going to do, everybody, you are going to be exposed. Yeah. So he had to go ahead and leave now. I think he still should be exposed, but, yeah. but he's leaving. Yeah. You know? I think this is the only scene with Brian and Justin in this episode. And it's such a small insert, but it has a big impact because... Justin threatened to withhold the goods, and that had Brian donating a chair that cost $2,000. Yeah. And it's not like Brian couldn't just go stand on any corner of Liberty Avenue and find someone. Like, it wouldn't even be cheating. Like, he's allowed to do that. Right. And we can even assume that Brian is back to doing exactly that. And yet, still, the idea of no Justin had him cramming that chair into the back of that little Corvette. <laughs> driving it right over to the hospice. Like, yes. I am nearly convinced that Justin could get Brian to do just about anything, anything at this girl. point. Anything. <laughs> yeah. Got him wrapped. Yeah. Well, Melanie is home doing normal house stuff. And one of the writers pointed out to me that one of the ways that they address the harmony or lack thereof in, in their relationship, Melanie and Lindsay's relationship, is by how they dress. And so Melanie is in these like baggy coveralls right now because she's been chasing Gus around earlier in this episode. And, um, so it's kind of like she's doubled down on the family domestic life thing. And then Lindsay has been dressing like this career woman. Mm-hmm. And it's less about who's doing the laundry and who's working, but more about whether or not they're in sync. Right. And um, because you can be, of course, a super mom and wife and a super businesswoman at the same time. <laughs> I just think they played it up with these two because it's a very visual litmus test of the health and state of their relationship at any given time. Right. Well, anyway, Melanie is headed off to Lamaze and Lindsay tries to come. Well, I guess Gus is just watching himself these days. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Because surely he's not in school or daycare because they're both in home. They, so, yeah. yeah. Well, um, Michael is meeting her there, so she doesn't need Lindsay to come along. And she didn't tell Lindsay about it because she assumed that she would have business with Sam. Ooh. Well, 
Sam is gone, but not forgotten. Oh. Melanie tells her that she watched the two of them from the window. It was a very touching scene. And old line Lindsay says, well, yeah, he's my friend, my mentor. And Melanie cuts her off and says, yeah, right, oh, yeah, he awakened things in you, your desire to paint, to express yourself, anything else? Oh. But at this point, Melanie doesn't know all of what's been going on or for how long it's been going on, but... Look at how Lindsay has been dressing at work since Melanie told her that she needed to do something to get his attention. Mm-hmm. And ever since, she's been spending more time around him. Like, mm-hmm. she's been dressing a little different. Her walk has been different. Her art has been different. She's been different in the bedroom. And The red flag is when you pulled out the old dusty Glenn, Bertha. Glenda's magic wand. Yeah, when you, when you pulled <laughs> that out. When you had to blow the dust off that hoe. Yeah. And then, then it was the best. Like, she ain't never seen her that turned on in forever. Yeah. She said. So, like, And girl. so, Melanie is many things, but blind is not one of them. Mm-hmm. She's she, a lawyer, for Yeah, one. she tells her that she knows. She says that you don't live with someone for nine years and not know. And she doesn't want to hear Lindsay's explanations. And Lindsay says she wasn't going to offer any. But the important thing is that it reconfirmed to her that this is who she is, that her life with Melanie and Gus and their new baby, like, that's what she wants. I'm like, I didn't know that was a question. Yeah. Like, oh, if I'm Melanie, like, well, was that in question? Did we just get married this year? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and then we, like, decide to have this baby. Like, yeah. I didn't know that was a question. But really, for me, and we're going to talk about some other stuff later, but for me, it's not only the cheating, but it's kind of the cheating while I'm pregnant. That's really it's the doing pregnant it for me. For me yeah. That's what it is for me. Yeah. We had an off camera, off mic um, conversation, and it's the off, it's the while pregnant for me. Like, yeah. I mean, cheating is bad, but damn, when she's feeling, you know what I'm saying? When she's pregnant, got all the emotions, she probably could feel less sexy, you know? Right. Like, I mean, all of these different things that goes into play. And yeah. you out here living your best thought life. Yeah, and then it's like the whole issue of her cheating with a man. Now, Melanie, for years, has put up with Lindsay's love for Brian and always felt threatened by that. And, like, that continues to be an issue at times in their relationship. So, you know, it's stirring all that up again. Um, And then I'm sure this leaves Melanie feeling inadequate in her gender at a time where she should be celebrating this expression of womanhood. Now, I'm not saying this is a qualifier for womanhood. This is an expression of womanhood. Yes, (laughs) Uh, but Melanie says um, to her, like, hey, that's a very convincing testimony, but she's just not so sure that she still chooses Lindsay. I mean, that's cool. I understand that. But she can't just react that quickly because I remember when, when and again, granted, she cheated, Melanie cheated with a woman, okay? But at the same time, to me, that's that's just as bad. Like, I think if Melanie would have went out and got some penis, then I would better rock with it. But you can get some cooch for me. You know what I'm saying? Like... <laughs> You could you could have got that for me. You didn't have to get that from the cigarette yeah. smoking ass girl, you know. Right. Um, but Lindsay was like, "Hey, come home. Let's work this out." Mm-hmm. And Mel is like, "I don't know if I even want to be with you." So yeah. I mean, like, baby yeah. girl, we had compassion with you. We I know, stayed but and it's fought tricky. with you, baby girl. We had compassion with you. <laughs> okay, no, I get that. I get that. But yeah, okay. So let's just deal with a bunch of stuff. Like, it might be tempting to just want to throw Lindsay out with the garbage, but this situation is very real and very honest. It like, is. The players in some of the plot points can be switched around, but I think this happens in real-world relationships. Even for me, I know that there are parts of me that have been dormant for years, and there are parts of me that I've yet to discover. And within the confines of a relationship that has certain boundaries, I won't get to explore those without crossing lines. Now, the proper thing to do is to try to communicate that ahead of time and discuss the possible removal or adjustment of those boundaries, right. even if it's just temporary. 
But if that doesn't work for your partner, well, then you can make a decision at that time. But then in the real world, in real time, how often does the opportunity to have that conversation come before the opportunity uh, to cross mm-hmm, that line? Now, mm-hmm. that's a trick question because the answer is always. But the fact no, is, we don't not. we don't always have that conversation ahead of time. That's you know that's just the reality of it. Yes. And here with Melanie and Lindsay, we are seeing the fallout of that when when that happens. And now, is Lindsay wrong for being attracted to Sam? No, because you know attraction just is. So you saying when Lindsay? Because I feel like the switch happened when Lindsay started painting him. You know, like when he saw her artwork, he was like, "Oh my god, this is so cool!" And then she he was like, "Paint me!" And so then she started painting him nude, right? I think that's when a switch happened. You think she should have went to mail then and be like, "Hey, I'm feeling something." Well, like, I don't because at the time she didn't know it, she didn't even know that she was actually gonna go through it. Like it'd be different if they had got a room or something. It was gonna be you know. Well, because I don't know sex. at what point she. Well, maybe with the Glinda's magic wand, but I'm trying yes. to figure out at what point she felt like I want him sexually. Because I think, but I think this was not just about physical stuff. Like, I think right. that may have been part of it, but I don't really think, because Sam's not even, like, anything great no, to no, look he, at. No, he's not great. And I think they intentionally chose someone like that. He's not ugly, but he's just not, you know. It, they have similarities. Like, but I mean, it was what he stirred up in her yes. intellectually yes. and how he sparked something in her creatively. And so it was more of that. And then it just kind of morphed into these other, this other type of attraction, this other thing that we ultimately see. And so I don't know that she knew it was headed toward so then it goes back thing. to there was never a time where she could have this conversation. <laughs> but she knew that when she had to pull out that magic wand, ah! <laughs> she was yeah. clearly at that time wanting more than what Melanie was offering. Facts. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, that... she interrupted what Melanie was offering. Yo, she did. To ask for something else. Yeah. So, facts. but I, not every time. Not every right. time does the opportunity to have the conversation come before the opportunity to cross the line. Correct. That is true. I don't know. It's just so tricky here. Like, I want Mel- yeah. I want Lindsay to live her best life. Like, I love that he stirred something up in her. She was originally supposed to be painting and getting back into it and going doing it, and she wasn't. You know, so then when well, he she came was working along, at the gallery, yeah. but that that still wasn't touching on all of the things. Then there was no need for um, what's that girl named Lita? Lita. There was no need for her to even build the, the whole art yeah. studio. But she's been upstairs. up there painting, but all now, the stuff up there is uninspired and yes. derivative, is what she said. So he inspired her. He gave her that spark that she needed. Mm-hmm. You know, like. I think I would have kept chasing that high too. That has yeah. to be a, a high. Well, for sometimes an you're not in control of what your muse. Is. Now you're in control of what you do with your muse, right. but you're not in control of what your muse is. Ugh, it's just tricky. I just want Melanie to have more understanding. Like this girl has been confined to this house for years because of the baby. You've been out here shining and getting all the the praise and accolades and and doing all all this wonderful shit, and she hasn't done anything but ever go to classes and school and worry about what the baby's going to eat. You know what y'all eating. You know, are you good? I mean, is, is your friend trying to ha- come on to both of us? You know, like yeah. all of that. Like, I mean, she hasn't she hasn't had no type of attention or affection. So I kind of I don't want to like deem her as a bad person. No, no I'm not I judging see, her at all. Right. I get why it happened. I mean, I don't, it's not right that it happened. It's not but right. I, I'm not saying it's yeah, right. Yeah, but I get why why it happened. Right. Um, because, like I said, there was this part of her that had gone dormant. This yeah, room she, in her that had gone that room, unoccupied. That room was and never And here was an, op- an opportunity to occupy that room yeah. for a brief period of time. And so she took it, but... Is Mel's response valid? In a way, yes, but... 
Yeah, in a way, yes, because Lindsay didn't give her a chance to make a choice. Well, and it's like, okay, are we going to always in our relationship repay wrong for wrong? Right. Like, if you do something, I'm like, okay, well, at some point I can get you back. And you can't, are we always going to do that right. and keep tabs like that in our relationship? Yeah. No. Mm-mm. And so if it's going to be wrong, it's going to be wrong. If we're going to allow it, we're going to allow it. And I think you have to make those choices. One decision or the other. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah. Just, oh Lord. I know, but it is a, it is tricky. And and I, I don't want to sound like I'm judging Lindsay, you know, I'm not excusing anything, but I don't want to sound like I'm judging her either because, you know, life happens life and opportunities does. fall in front of you. They do. <laughs> and I mean, I feel like Lin, a male, male should give her another chance just because she did have an opportunity to just say, fuck it, let me leave. Let me go to a different country and pursue my dream that mm-hmm. I should have been doing from the start, you know, like. Yeah. This man is giving you opportunity that that is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Right. You're rolling around here with Sam. You know what right. I'm saying? Like, who is huge, and uh, and she chose to stay. She chose to give mm-hmm. all that up, you know, mm-hmm. and to say, no, this is where I'm going to be. This is my family. But then know? that feels like almost feels like you're settling for me, kind of thing. Which no, I know she's not. She didn't settle. She she had a choice. She did have a choice. She could have taken, but it's also like, lights or. Yeah. Damn little front porch lights. It, it's always more than just, it's, it's not just black and white. Yeah. When there's an affair like this, it's always, it's not just black and white and it's very complicated and there's a lot to it. And yeah. Girl, I don't know. Okay. I, I'm down to see the next episode because I don't want to see Mel go so hard on Lens because Lens has been really good. But I mean, girl, you, you do need a little talking to though. I know. And you yeah. can't expect somebody to easily. And then Lindsay, the other thing is Lindsay didn't tell her because I don't she think didn't. Lindsay was going to. Melanie oh, found she wasn't. out. Yeah. And so that's another thing. Yeah, you know, it, 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 I might handle it different if you came and told me. It might yeah. not. Probably won't. Right. But I might. <laughs> <laughs> but I have the option. I have the yeah. option yes. of handling it differently. Yeah. If you come and tell me, but you didn't come and tell me, you were right. going to keep this a secret. Now that and I And so found then because that. you were keeping it a secret, how do I know that the next time he comes into town or is back from Milan or whatever, you're not going to go do it again yeah. or whatever so true you know mm-hmm. and how i know you ain't trying to take a little field trip or something yeah you when know? you yeah you got you all of a sudden have to go pick up some painting yeah. for the gallery that way part. over in milan yeah. <laughs> Where, like girl okay yeah okay so we're i'm gonna go into this like whole speech thing and okay. then you can uh go on tell me what you what you think Okay, so I've been kind of over-censoring myself with the Lindsay and Sam stuff, and I'm having a hard time discussing this storyline because, like most storylines on this show, there are many angles from which you can view it. And as you all know, I try not to speak on things that I know nothing about. <laughs> like I look up facts and figures because research is my middle name. <laughs> but when it comes to certain issues, I can only speak about the way I experience things. And I'm going to be the last person in line to tell someone how they should or shouldn't feel about something and really if I can help it I'm not even going to join that line right. to tell you what to feel and but I know that uh, some people have lots of issues with how the lesbian characters are written on this show and definitely with this Sam thing now I'm not really looking to Melanie and Lindsay as representations of how I live my life so I don't feel like I can give any experience based insight on that um, and I'm also not really comfortable saying that these writers don't know how to write for women in general or for lesbians because I felt like I'd have to see some of their other stuff. Like, I know they wrote a series called Sisters that was like an all-female cast. Mm. And I felt like I'd have to see some other stuff before I can even formulate an opinion on that. Mm-hmm. And so we've kind of talked about this storyline in a vacuum. Like, only as it pertains to Lindsay as an individual first, and then how it pertains to her and Melanie as a couple, we keep it on Liberty Avenue for the most part. 
And I haven't really put it into a larger context and what it implies about lesbians and bisexuality. But there are times when I have to ask myself, what's the most responsible way to talk about something? And so I doubt I'm going to get this perfect, but uh, <laughs> but I can learn a lot by going through the process. So uh, we're going to address this here and then probably just move forward from here on out and just talk about it in a very small, only in the context of this show manner from here on out. But um, so I am told that the idea of bringing in an opposite sex partner for one of the gay characters was always thrown around in the writer's room. Like That was always something that they that they talked about. Mm. It usually got rejected because... This isn't a show about straight people, aside from the supporting characters. Right. This is a show about gay and lesbian people. But as the conversations continued over the seasons, they decided to move forward with it and eventually did it because it is something that happens. Like, okay, Ken, do you know any gay men who've had an affair with a, a woman or any lesbian women who've had an affair with a man? Absolutely. Yeah. And I do, too. And I'm sure we're not even talking about the same. Right. People. No. So, mm. so it does happen. It's a real thing. And so anyway, if you're going to tell that story from our main cast, which character is more likely to have a bisexual slant? Yeah, Lindsay. Lindsay. Yes, kind of Lindsay. And they've already done this in some other ways with other characters. Like Emmett had sex with a woman during the See the Light stuff. And, oh, yeah. and Justin and Daphne. And then Ben here says that he did on his path to discovering or accepting that he was gay. It was off screen, of course, but he does tell us about right. it. And at this point, it's really it's not going to be Ted or Michael or Brian or even Melanie. It's mm-hmm. really Lindsay is the, the one, only one that kind of makes the most sense, because like we said, she's always kind of straddled the fence right. between these two lives. And I don't know why they didn't have her go the bisexual route. I don't know that. <laughs> um, but I am aware of the time in which this was filmed. And so where I'm from, bisexuality is not a thing. That's what they tell you. Yeah. And definitely not 20 years ago. If it's a man They'll say, no, he's just gay. Yep. He's pretending he's not. If it's a woman, they'll say she's just drunk or spending mm-hmm. too much time with her female friends. Yep. Or it's just some attempt to punish a man or whatever. And so it's possible that in the context of the time this show was created and written, that that would have been a factor they considered. Like, if we go bisexual, then that kind of, they're, they're going to say, no, she's just straight this whole time. She's been straight. And it's just because she's married and has a kid, and that's why she's choosing to stay with Melanie. So it's possible that's why they didn't go Full bisexual, but but I don't I don't really know. Well, uh, my experience, and uh, I can't speak for everybody, but I know a lot of lesbians, um, the ones that I can speak for that I know, they really don't like a lot of bisexual women. They want people they know that are full on lesbians, right? You know, like, and they also feel like um, you you muddying and muddying and muddying the waters by be, by being bisexual because there is a time where you may get that wild hair and you go and have sex. They don't care if you was having sex with another woman, but when you bring it with another man, that caused an issue in the lesbian relationship. Yeah. And I, for a minute, it took me a long because like, I don't understand. Like, I don't, I don't, cheating is cheating. I didn't get it. Right. But they were like, no, nah, it's a thing. Like, to, it's a hit to the ego. The fact that I couldn't, like, kind of say it, like, what, when, when we was talking about yeah. it. Yeah. The fact that I couldn't satisfy you in that need. So you had to go elsewhere and get a man to do the same things that I was going to do to you. you right. Know? So I, I'm glad that they, they touched on it because. It does happen a lot where you yeah. see women, you know what I'm saying, they actually go out and test the waters again. They do they have those bisexual moments mm-hmm. uh, or, or guys as well. So some of the women watching the show and definitely bisexual people watching the show, they felt like that was um, they took offense to that, to them bringing in oh. Sam and saying, like, why did you do that to these lesbian characters? Like they're supposed to be. Why did you put a man in the equation? So a lot of people did not 
did not like that, and I totally understand. Yeah, I can. I, I can totally get understand. That. Yeah, especially if we we're, we're going to show there's going to be representations of homosexual life, you right? Know, why muddy those waters with with a straight character? But also, we know this show is very true to life, right? And so, so it's something that happened. So it's a risk that they took, and then you know, it's not for me to say whether the risk was worth it or not. That's not right. for me to say. Um, it's possible that it might be important for a person like Lindsay to draw a stricter boundary for themselves because I don't. I think because Lindsay has such a hard time juggling between those two worlds, maybe for her, she needs a strict boundary of saying, no, I am a lesbian. I'm not bisexual. I am right. a lesbian. She needed that re- yeah. uh, reaffirmation. And I'm not making excuses for the writers or anyone or anything. I'm just trying to make sense of it in my own head. Um, but beyond the issue of sexual orientation, I think it was Lindsay getting a look at a different timeline, and life on a different timeline. Yes. And maybe... Maybe on that other timeline, she's straight or bi and she's traveling the world and doing art shows and not caring about social niceties. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, you know, the sexuality thing is a part of the equation, but it's really more about do I want that life or this life that I've yeah. built? That know? was her at her crossroads. Mm-hmm. That yeah. was her being presented a crossroad. Like, and this isn't the first time that the idea of an alternate universe has come up with Lindsay. Like, she's even talked about. Her and Brian being married with kids, like you know, didn't you? You know, I yeah. thought this would be us one day. Now Brian never thought that, but nah, you <laughs> but she did. And I wish that we could get Lindsay's inner thoughts during all of this and find out why she's so adamant about labeling herself a certain way. And I'm not saying that her sleeping with Sam means she's not a lesbian. I'm I'm willing to call you by whatever label you tell me to call that you part. by, and I let you pick your label. And Lindsay picked her label mm-hmm. here, and but I do wish I could understand her a little more. But then I remember that aside from Emmett, Melanie, and sometimes Brian, these aren't characters who have a fully formed idea of who they are. Exactly. And so, of course, Lindsay doesn't have a fully formed idea of who she is. And so her line about her being a house of many rooms with some that go unoccupied, that's the closest to an explanation that we're going to get because she's complex and many people are. Yeah. Now, again, I don't have all the answers here, and I'm not really sure what to make of all of it. But I do think there's an interesting collision of writer's intent and then impact and interpretation by the audience here. And it's hard to sort all of that out. What is the responsibility of the writers? I I don't know. Is it to avoid all stereotypes, even the ones that are rooted in some kind of truth? Because like we said, this does happen. Like, And then how do you separate honest representation and harmful representation? Mm -hmm. Because I know that those are two different things, but they do overlap sometimes. And if there are a billion lesbians in the world, there are a billion ways to express what that means and how that looks. And if you only have two characters to represent that whole group, the odds are already not in your favor. Yeah, not in your favor. <laughs> so, <laughs> for real, yeah. for real. And so I'm not saying they got it wrong or right. I recognize that it's an issue. That's, yes. that's what I'm saying. And that's what I do, too. I'm recognizing that it's an issue, and I'm recognizing that it actually happens in real life. Yeah. And all I can say is in defense of just the show in general, the integrity of the show is that, these writers wanted to pull from real life incidences that yeah. happened to them or someone that they and know. And this of. happened. Like one yes. of the guys told, two See, of them actually told me this. I came in when this idea came up. I gave them an example that had re- that happened like that week or whatever exactly. in my life, and we wrote we wrote yeah. through that. So and this really happened. See exactly. So they keep it true to life, mm-hmm. and that's why we feel so connected to these characters because these stories are real. These yeah. stories are true. It's something that we all can each. Each and everybody can feel. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that it stirred up, you know, some anger or some type of worry. And, they knew that was going to happen, too. Yeah, with exactly. all the stories that they tell. I mean, the fact that Justin is 17 when he meets Brian, who's almost 30. Yes. That's going to stir up. Because that bothered me. Yeah. And know? so they they know that that's out there. And so 
But I, you have to, in order to have a good story and a good story told, it has to be You have to tell the you truth. You have to tell the and truth. And the truth is going to ruffle feathers. Yes. <laughs> now, should, is this a truth that they should have told when they only have two lesbian characters and there's a lot of others? I can't yeah, say we can't, Yeah, that. we can't say that. I can't, this is the story that was told. Yes. And so, yeah. Because even, I know that there are also some thoughts about Hunter being an example of biracial on this show. Like, I'm not bisexual, or at least I don't think I am. And so... I'm not the one to tell you how you should feel about that representation on TV, but that doesn't mean I'm not aware of and sensitive to the way people might feel about it. I don't know that any of that came across the way I wanted it to, but I just (laughs) want to acknowledge that I know that this is an issue while at the same time saying, I recognize that they were telling a true story, telling some true examples. And I also just want to say, like, I don't know how to handle all of that. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's that's why we have this show here, so we can actually have those type of discussions. Yeah. Uh, I would love to hear from our lesbian viewers out there, you know, people mm-hmm. who identify as lesbian, or just this storyline right here resonated with you guys. Yeah. Um, negative or positive. Like, mm-hmm. we want to hear y'all thoughts on it, because you know exactly how we feel. We're always going to give. We're not going to hold back. We always give you yeah. exactly what we're feeling, so that's what we want from you guys. Uh, we are the diner, guys, and we're here to dish about it. So yeah. that's what we want to hear. <laughs> we want to hear what y'all thoughts. It's always are. about conversation and about learning, learning and about you know educating yourself on all these things. Because so. y'all see, I learn something new every time we do a show. I mean, Ishelle <laughs> be bringing the facts and the statistics and everything. So I mean, I learn something new every single time. And then just hearing you guys' feedback, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when you when you do respond back to us, it's always rewarding and learning for me as well. So I mean, yeah. We're dying to hear what you guys say. Yeah, but I just wanted to make sure that we, because we're going to, like I said, we're going to move on and only talk about it in the context of the show, but I didn't want to be blind to the fact that it, it, it is, it, a, happens. it is problematic for some people. Like the storyline is problematic for some people. Mm-hmm. And I totally understand that. Um, so I just wanted to make sure that we took a minute to highlight that. There it is. But girl, this episode right here, I don't even know what I feel. Like it wasn't like extremely juicy. And it wasn't like raunchy. Like I feel emotionally drained though. Mm-hmm. Like I went high with with Deb and Carl. I went extremely low with Damn Emmett it. and Drew. You know, I went to a very a place a place of uncertainty with Melanie. Yeah, and like I just don't. I don't. <laughs> they even only know. gave me one Brighton scene, and it was I know ten seconds long. Not even. It I was tried five. to milk that okay. for all I could. Girl, <laughs> like I don't know. This episode is just too much. But it did it did give some happy moments to see um, Hunter. You know, really living his teenage life. Like, I, I love to see that. That was, that was an upside. And then for a brief second, we got to see some happiness from Emmett, you know. Uh, and that always brings light to me. But I think what takes a cake for me is just seeing um, Carl and, and Deborah yeah. um, back doing anything. And Debbie fighting for what she wants. Mm-hmm. I mean, that That's the part right there. Debbie actually taking the bull by the horns and, and going for what she believes in. Yeah. I do like seeing Emmett and Ted. Back oh, that friendship, together. yeah. Yeah, I uh-huh. like seeing that again too. True, so. true, true, true. I'll take these small little. <laughs> take these small victories, baby. Yeah, in yes. an episode like this, I'll take these small little victories. Absolutely. Yeah, girl, I'm gonna take my small victories. Okay. Well, you know, and that will do it. Let us know your thoughts on Lindsay and Melanie. But I mean, anything. We love to hear all your thoughts over the entire episode. What you guys think? Um. So until next time, guys, we are out of here. Bye. Bye.